The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual guests. You're a sensitive snowflake that may get easily offended and turn this off immediately. If you want to hear the real truth about the gun culture, then stick around. This is the Armed Citizen Podcast. What's going on, my Ghost Squad? Welcome to the Armed Citizen Podcast Live. This is episode number 245. Today's date is Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. We are live, as always, on YouTube and over on Facebook. So if you're out there in the live chat, go ahead and say something. We don't know that you're out there unless you do. If you're watching this in replay or in podcast form, make sure you utilize the comment section. The conversation does not have to stop here. Go ahead and use that comment section with any comments, questions, whatever you have, and we'll get back to you on that. If you're out there and they allow you to rate this podcast, feel free to rate us however you feel. I'm not going to ask for five stars, but uh, whatever you feel we're worthy, and sometimes it's worth about one star. So, uh, But uh, it does help and all of that. So if you're out there, please utilize that. If you want to call or text in, yes, you can call and text into the show. Utilize the Ghost Tactical Hotline presented by our good friends Rod and Shelly Gates at Aegis Gun Care. That number is 530-364-4678. If you're a veteran, really anyone, but especially if you're a veteran and you're in that hole, you're in the darkness and you can't seem to find the light, call me, text me, email me 24-7. I cannot give you medical advice, but I could probably be a pretty decent ear to talk you through some shit. If you are looking for someone to get you some medical advice, please, please remember two things. One, you are not alone in this fight. You have a lot of brothers and sisters out here that are willing and able to help. And two, the world is a much better place with you in it. So I implore you, please utilize the Veteran Crisis Hotline. 1-800-273-8255. Once again, 1-800-273-8255. Veterans, press the number one. We are spotlighting, as always, United States Marine Corps. If you have any questions on what it takes to earn the title United States Marine, see the website marines.com. And as always, we're a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Please check out all the great pro-gun, pro-two-way podcasts over on selfdefenseradio.net. Let me get this off of my ugly-ass mug and bring in a couple of our guests tonight. As always... Riding shotgun with this, uh, folks, this is not an avatar. That is really Clover. He will not blink for about two hours. He has that ability. From the great state of Texas, the tactical virus, I mean, um, Leprechaun. What's up, Clove? Yeah, don't cross me. I got my eyes on you. I bet you do. They're blue. They're blue, beady, weird eyes. They are know, blue. scary. They are scary. beady. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since you are riding shotgun as always, uh, what is a shotgun of the week? Let's go tactical, man. Holy let's cow. go. Let's go Turkish tactical. Oh, okay. So at at uh, I was at NRAM and just walking through and a man a slick looking AR style shotgun caught my eye, you know. And I walk over there. Sure. I didn't notice the booth or the you know what it was. I just like whoa, that looks freaking cool. Uh, and it was an escort, uh, DF 12, uh, just David Frank escort DF 12. Uh, okay. and, 
FDE in black. Uh, pretty pretty sharp looking shotgun. Escort, I think, is uh, Hat Sand. I think is who makes those over in Turkey. If I'm if I'm thinking correctly, but don't man, get me lying. I don't know. I don't know either. But it's pretty sweet, man. It had to it had an old school style uh, carry handle. You know, and all on it. Nice. It was, nice. It, was it was pretty neat. That's the way interesting. The, a, 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 like an A2 carry handle, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. On on a tactical shotgun. That's an interesting interpretation. Had like a fluted barrel. Had like a low profile handguard. Uh, full Picatinny on the bottom and a little parcel, you know, on the top for the um, for the A frame, you know, front sight. Um, and then like hmm. a fluted barrel. It was. It was. It looked That's good. Uh, it may be a piece of junk, but it looked good. That's interesting. Oh, the Turk, the Turks make good guns, man. They do. Oh, and I'm a big, uh, you know, in the last few years, not all uh, of them, but I hear you. not all of them, but there there's, there's a handful that are putting out some really, really good stuff. Really good stuff. Yeah. Look at this stuff from TriStar. I mean, the TriStar guns are good. Big supporters of Walk Talk America, by the way. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna crowbar them in there. But speaking of come a long way, man. They have they're not very big supporters. Have. They're not very big supporters of Clover Tack. Just saying. Actually, I got a I got a call with them Friday, believe it or not. So maybe. Well, I'll put it's, it in a good word. It's, it's all over. about Clover. It's all about Clover. He's got to bring everything back to well. There might be a good company. Hey, they're not. Mike, Mike started it. I'm just letting him know. <laughs> yeah, he'll be on the next episode after that call goes well. No, I was talking. Yeah. I was when you, you know, we were talking backstage. You were talking about walking out and I was smoking my pipe. I was actually, that was who I was talking to. Remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, right. For Ryan and uh, his brother, uh, uh, yeah. uh, all the baiters, they're good people. I'll, I'll put in a good word for you. I'll tell them. To... Don't lie to them. There's no sense in lying. To them. <laughs> right. <laughs> let's, right. Let's, let's be honest here. <laughs> oh shit! But that's good uh, to know. Right. I didn't. I didn't know that. So that's good to know. So if I do any work with them, then yeah, we can. We. Oh, can he'll get drop your name like quicker than a motherfucker. No, I'm just saying how that I, I talked to Mike yesterday about we got to get the word out about these organizations like Mike doing awesome things. And thanks for having him on tonight, by the way, Ghost. But, um, you know, if I worked with TriStar, we could mention that in the videos. Hey, not only are they, you know, here's some cool shotguns, but uh, they're doing a lot more than just selling guns, which is awesome. Absolutely. Well, people are most people that have watched this channel or been around us for a while, by the way, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is five year anniversaries on YouTube. Tomorrow marks the fifth year anniversary of our very first video. Uh, down horrible this. video, horrible. Go watch it, it people. It's awesome, terrible video. Literally doing like selfie style. What up? You know, I was like, oh my, I look back and like, what the hell was I doing? And the fact that it got any traction whatsoever is amazing to me. But still, uh, one of your best videos, ain't it? It's it's stupid. It is absolutely stupid that that thing still gets views and and all of that. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't watch it at all, but uh, some people do. But no, uh, five years. So uh, five years doing this. I, I wouldn't have met Mike. I wouldn't have met Clover without this weirdness that is YouTube. And we and I dog on YouTube or being gun tubers or whatever you want to content creators, whatever. I dog on us all as a group a lot because we have a lot of faults as a collective. Um but I will say the cool thing about this community is the community itself and getting to know people. Some of my closest friends are people that I met through this weirdness that is the internet. So um, go figure. But uh, one of them 
is someone I'm I'm proud to call a friend for a long time now. Um, he is he's been through it all. He's literally been in this industry, whether he wanted to or not, basically his whole life. And um, then decided to do something crazy a few years ago and founded an organization called Walk the Talk America. Now, most of you guys are watching this or listening to this, and you've been around my channel for at least a little bit, know uh, about Walk the Talk America. But uh, Mike Sedini is the founder, creator, backbone. Um, man, this guy does so much, and, and I don't think that our community truly understands exactly what you do i i i'm your hype man bro i'm your hype man um for sure because we know what what you do and, and the hustle that it is and the grind and all of that but uh first before i do anything i want to say thank you for all that you're doing um for not just the gun community but for the mental health community as, as a whole because you're bringing the gun community to the bigger picture of mental health uh which wasn't there before much less bringing health mental health to the gun community but uh mike sedini from walk the talk man what's up brother how you doing hey man thanks for having me once again it's always great to be with you guys uh yeah it's always good to have you man i know you're tired i know nra was probably good and bad i, I know that you're not a big fan of those type of events because you're i mean you're non-stop i mean i you're non-stop um every second for a lot of different reasons you wear a lot of different hats um, before we jump into what's going on right now, there probably are some people out there that might not have heard of walk the talk America. I'm gonna give you a few minutes and maybe kind of give the elevator speech of, of bringing, you know, bridging that gap between mental health and the gun community that you guys are doing. And while you're doing that, I'll be putting out links and all that. So kind of give the, the elevator speech of walk the talk America, how you started it and all that. Okay. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're coming up on four years, which is pretty crazy when you think about it um but basically we look for innovative ways to get people to help the need when they're in crisis without fear of consequence and bridging the gap between the firearms industry and the mental health community and basically looking for ways that we could work together and educate each other right and that's what's most important because you know when we have these tragic events which we've had in like you know past three weeks i mean it really goes on display the the fact that people are uneducated, right? Because half these conversations that are happening, these talking points, it's like clearly no one's taking the time to learn about either mental health or on the flip side of that, they clearly have not learned about the firearms industry. Um, and what we're trying to do is change that. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, when these things die down, which they always do, um, we're still left with the 67 people a day that take their life with a, a firearm. And that's a huge number and not to make light of anything that that happens to children or just people their business grocery shopping you know what i mean um we're not trying to do that but we're just looking for we want to look for innovative ways and solutions to get people help that will work and make sense right not restriction that we know damn well isn't going to stop anything <laughs> it's not going to bring down the negative outcomes of firearms things like that so that's that's really what we are well, and this is something that um, one of the first things when we first met, um, I think through Pinkus, I think, um, I think Pinkus might have introduced us somehow, some way. But one of the first things you remember when we were talking about Walk the Talk About, it's always stuck with me, 
is you said, I want people to be able to talk about mental health as if it was a common cold or it's like put your seatbelt on. And it's like, you know, we don't think about, we have no problem talking about, oh, I've got a cold or the flu. We don't have any problem talking about um, putting a seatbelt on and that could help save lives. But when it comes to the mental health and especially the mental health with a firearm aspect, that's something that is that elephant in the room that no one wants to acknowledge. And the fact that you were willing to literally, by the way, so a little background on Mike, um, former owner and families forever, for generations with Eagle Imports, uh, a major, major importer um, in the industry sells it to do this full time. And that's a huge leap. That's a huge leap. I don't think people quite understand what kind of leap it takes to sell a business and devote your time to, to mental health. Um, part of my show every week is on the veteran side and you and I have worked um, on, a, on a task force with the VA before. Um, but mental health of the veterans is a big thing, but it's not just veterans. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's everyone. My, my personal thing is, as I come from veterans, is I see more of that. Um, but mental health is is not okay. So it's interesting because this is the line I want to go with is in our community. When people think mental health, they think one of two things: they think mass murders or PTSD, and those are part of it. But PTSD is not, you know, the this huge all-consuming mental health issue. It is a reason why people are having issues, but there's so many aspects of mental health and mental um, illness and mental wellness that is not PTSD related. And I think that um, you guys do a good job of, of getting all of this out. More importantly, bringing the gun community to the mental health um, side of things. I know that you've worked hard because when you first got into this, it was difficult, was it not, for you to get those doors open and have meetings with mental health organizations that weren't firearm related. They didn't necessarily want the firearm side involved. And I think that that could be huge. Can you talk a little bit about how the struggle started with even getting those meetings to where now they're some of your biggest allies? Well, yeah, you know, in the beginning when I first started this, the idea, I really wanted to stop mass shooters, um, which is kind of funny because, uh, finding the next mass shooters like finding a needle in a haystack and it wasn't the gun industry that that pushed me back to suicide prevention it was actually the mental health community that was like just focus here and it took me a while to wrap my arms around that and understand why but once i finally did and just for the listeners who haven't heard this before it's like the only future predictor of violence is previous violence not mental health diagnosis so um, that became problematic because my original idea was just to try to throw money at the <laughs> the mental health community to say like, okay, here's the money from us, you fix it. Um, but you talk about getting the doors open, right? And I think what really helped to open up some of those doors for people was when I found out that I couldn't just throw money at it, that we had to look for innovative solutions within the community. It's like, okay, what... We can't give legislation. We can't give restriction. Those are non-starters. But what are the things that we can do? We have valuable space. We have trainers. We have gun shops. You know, we have distributors. We have manufacturers. Like, what are the things that we could do that make sense? And I'm telling you, with any argument, when you come with a solution, hey, like we're putting this, you know, 
mental health flyer on the box or arms corps putting this the 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 free and anonymous mental health screenings on the in the on the side of their ammo you know mm-hmm. um doors open because the mental health community was has been open to hearing about these things because they're intrigued right because it's something totally different and i saw you know jake just joined us but and and he can expand on that but when you want to when you want to reach somebody you got to be able to steer them away from their talking points and the things that just are absolute madness. You go around in circles, right? But when you kind of can steer them towards something else and say like, yeah, we're doing this. And they're like, that's kind of fascinating. The doors automatically open. So I think it's, it's helped us a lot. Um, Jake and I, you know, we get contacted all the time by mental health organizations in different States that want us to come speak or be at an event um, because it's a different look. You know what I mean? Like everything else is the same old stuff. It's the legislation and believe it or not, there's a lot of people in the mental health community that understand the same old stuff isn't working. Um, so I think that's a way that we found to really kind of reach people that, you know, and educate them that normally we wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, and he mentioned Jake and Jake is, uh, Whereas once again, another good friend we met through this weirdness of internet. Um, but Jake also wears a lot of different hats. So he is not only a board member of Walk Talk America, he is a licensed clinician. He he he, he with family, with he's a therapist that has really helped a lot in bridging the gap between literally the mental health side of things and Walk Talk America. That's his field. So uh with Zephyr Wellness, uh Man, this guy's got a lot of hats. I want to introduce Jake Wiskirchen. And, and Jake, I'm going to give you a few minutes. Uh, once again, most of these people know about you, but there are some people that aren't familiar. Kind of give your background real quick, the elevator speech, if you will, and then talk maybe how you and Mike got together with Walk the Talk America. Yeah, thanks, Trey. And I apologize for being late. One of my uh, biggest achievements work, is, uh, <laughs> is, is being – no, no, is being enabled to – keep track of time zones because in my head it was like seven o'clock seven o'clock got lots of time um no seven o'clock central i'm in the pacific that doesn't work so um thanks for everybody's patience uh i was actually installing shelves in my garage my wife and uh, my two boys are out of town they're visiting her parents and so this is my opportunity to like be manly and do manly things like uh put studs into cinder block uh and i've been doing that all day and i'm very proud of the work that i've done because now I get to grunt like Tim, the tool man, Taylor. Um, so thanks for the tee up. Yeah. So by trade, I'm a marriage and family therapist licensed in Nevada, uh, certified counselor nationally with the national board for certified counselors. And I own and operate a business called Zephyr wellness. You mentioned that it's on my t-shirt. Um, so Zephyr wellness is an outpatient counseling clinic and we are in Northern Nevada. Mike's in Southern Nevada. We're like six and a half hours apart. So don't ask if we visit each other frequently. We talk a lot, but um, yeah, so the story about how Mike and I met was, um, so I've had a podcast called Noggin Notes for several years, and Noggin Notes has been really fun for me. It's a it's a mental health podcast. It started as an app uh, by some guys in Cambodia, and one thing led to another. I knew a guy who knew the guys, and then they linked up, and since 2017, we've had Noggin Notes, and Noggin Notes now has three different podcasts. There's mine, which is the, the OG, and then there's Noggin Notes Africa and Noggin Notes Cambodia, and uh, we're bringing 
mental well-being to those parts of the world that have never heard of such a thing because uh, traditionally you just don't talk about emotions in the in the Orient. Um, so that's pretty cool. And so I had Mike on the show in 2019. And to give give a little bit of a, a background description on how nervous I was as a firearms owning clinician, I told Mike, I said, hey, um, we can we can talk about your organization, but I don't want to mention that I own guns on the podcast mm -hmm. because I was so used to the judgmental rhetoric of my own peer community that I didn't know what they would think. And I didn't I don't know, there's there's this weird pressure in the counseling world to like not fall out with your peer colleagues, which is very bizarre because they're not the ones paying your bills, your customers, your clients, your patients are. So it's like seems seems reasonable that I would want to bring in half of America because roughly half of America owns firearms. And yet my whole counseling community is like poo-pooing firearms owners. And so when I met with Mike, we talked for, I don't know, like three hours and like an hour and a half of that was the podcast. And then after that, we just kept talking about how we were going to save the world and we became BFFs. And um, we've been very, very good friends to this day. But what that got me to do was, I realized something had to be done in my clinical community with regard to how we view and treat gun owners when they come in for care, if they come in for care. And as we all know, uh, gun owners are a skeptical bunch when it comes to medical treatments broadly, but specifically mental health uh, for all the reasons we're familiar. And so I decided that we should design cultural competence training courses for clinicians, practitioners uh, to, to talk about gun culture. And, and I thought this would be kind of a cool homework assignment for me too, because even though I've owned guns my whole life, been around my whole life, uh, I grew up in a family full of cops and we, we hunted, you know, on and off in the fall. But, uh, my dad just, you know, my dad, and my uncles, it, they had guns for, as a tool for the job. We didn't, we didn't play with them. We didn't practice. Yep. We didn't uh, plink. We didn't compete. Um, they just kind of stayed in the closet and collected dust. So, um, when I got involved in designing this curriculum and meeting all the guys and at the various shows that we went to in 2019, I was blown away. And one of the things that I say repeatedly now, when I go on other people's podcasts from the mental health community is, um, one stereotype that's completely inaccurate. One myth about the gun community is that we're monolithic. Um, I, I didn't know the depth and breadth of the diversity that's in the gun community. And so we've tried to work that into the presentation, not just with the people who own firearms, but the uses and utility of firearms, uh, broadly. I, I, I didn't know I was, I was ignorant. So now I'm not, and now I'm teaching this stuff, which is kind of cool, but you know, thanks to people like you and some others who have welcomed me in with open arms, I, I can fully attest that the gun community is really quite friendly. Like I know there's little clicky things, but I, I love the gun community. It's awesome. And it's, it's everything you think it would be and it, nothing that that might be all at the same time. Right. So that's, right. that's my testimony. I love it. Well, and, and let's take that. Let's flip the script is I'm sure there are a lot of people now that are in the gun community that aren't so skeptical about talking with a licensed clinician or therapist, because now you kind of broken the wall down for us to say, you know, there are some, gun owning therapists out there yeah. and, and and that's something that could be we could talk about real quick is now that you're in this kind of dual universe you know if you will of being a a, a therapist and a gun owner and, and kind of bridging that no pun intended to the motto um that's what you're supposed to be doing but 
Have you noticed more therapists that are gun owners or pro-gun or at least open to the discussion of firearms because of your involvement? So, you know, sort of. Um, I would say that the gun community is overwhelmingly more receptive to therapy than the therapists are to gun community people, which is greatly disappointing to me. I think I think for as I say this frequently, like for as for as much as we hang our hat on non-judgmentalism and being lifelong learners and all that stuff, we're a pretty rigid judgmental bunch. Um, we really are. We get into our habits and our routines and we don't care to get out of them, which sucks and i hate it but but that point aside yes uh the short answer to your question is yes more people have you know sort of come out of the closet like i did um but it's hard so for as many people who have taken our course and we're up to over 400 now uh who have attended in some form or fashion one or one of the three parts of our courses we um we, we haven't gotten anybody who wants to clear their throat and raise their hand and come out and say i want to be listed on your website as someone who gun community people can go to for help. And, and I think it's just a network, if you will, a a pro firearm therapist network. That is an unbelievably awesome idea. If we, like you said, if you get people to come out, that's that's awesome. Uh, Because if you get one in every state, almost, I mean, that would be at least someone to have a point of contact. um, Well, that's the idea. We, we keep getting hit up. Um, I can attest to this through social media and email and whatnot saying, you know, for people who never would have considered this three years ago, four years ago, uh, saying, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with X. Uh, do you have any resources? And we're like, mm, psychology today, which, again, you know, uh, right. I'll, I'll rip on psychology today. They, I reached out to them to add a checkbox of cult, you know, like competencies that you can do. because They got all these things that you're specialized in. I said, hey, put put gun friendly on there. I might as well have broken wind in the middle of mass. Uh, it, it was not received. It was like, oh, thanks for your email. And then I followed up twice in radio silence. So it's just, it just sucks. But if, if anybody's listening who is a clinician and is a gun owner and you're like, well, I don't know if I want to like step out, follow my lead, please. Like we need you badly uh, wherever you are. And then contact your, your gun owning clinician buddies, because I know they're out there. They took our classes. Some of them work for me and they're, some of them are not afraid, but it's, it's the, how do I do this? You know, do I, do I entreat, you know, the, the opportunities that come, I'm already booked, I'm overflowing, you know, it's like, what is this going to look like to, to my friends or whatever? But dude, if we take the statistics, like half, half of America either owns a gun or lives with somebody who does. And that goes up depending on geography too. If you're in rural areas or you're in certain states, Nevada, you know, Northern Nevada is probably 70, 75%. It's yeah. We're second in the country behind Alaska at like 77%. I think Alaska is like 83%. Like even yeah. the Democrats in Arkansas are, are gun owners, you know, you can't afford to be ignorant of the demographic. You know what I mean? Especially when you yeah. get somebody coming in, well, we're a mental health organization, suicide prevention, our core. And if somebody comes in with an angsty teenager or uh, you know, they themselves are struggling. We can't afford to be tiptoeing uncomfortably around the firearms storage conversation. And that's what we're trying to get people competent in is say reasonably like, Hey, what do we need to do to keep you safe in this time of crisis without restricting your rights? You know, without, without calling dot gov. Um, that's what we want to do. And we need more clinicians. Um, yeah, uh, before we, we, we'll jump into some actual questions from the, from the chat and then what I have in Clover has, um, but before we do that, I want to, you know, kind of compound about what you're saying about this, uh, which to my eyes is a beautiful idea of this network. 
Uh, it's almost like, you know, we, we as a gun community talk about going to businesses that have the no gun sign on their front window. Wouldn't it be awesome to go to a, a, a therapist or even a, a pediatrician or a regular family doctor? You know, anyone that's in the medical field that has like a, a, a gun with a circle saying, bring it on. We're, we're, we're gun friendly around here. That could be amazing. Um, because here's the thing. This is just me from the outside looking in, and I'm not even in close to your world, uh, either one of you. But we'll we'll talk about what happened in, in 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 Texas as an example in different places. Once again, the mental health cries come from that side of well, this person maybe blah blah blah. The red flag laws that are coming out from the mental health, and I might be off base here. You guys can correct me, but if the mental health side of things is going to get blamed for some of these issues, then what I, I find it hard to believe that the mental health community doesn't want to fix that. If for no other reason to quit being blamed, I don't, I, I, am I crazy? Am I, am I missing something? I, here? I, 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 I wish the logic worked that way. I, really I know. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, there's, there's so much that people will sacrifice for the sake of their own politics or their ego. Um, and and it, what's maddening about the last two weeks since Uvalde happened specifically um, is uh, I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter and I, I engaged myself in, I don't even know how many threads at this point, dropping in WTTA stuff, comments about we are in the middle, we're doing something, we're trying to, so I, I'm, the cynical part of me says nobody wants to solve it because they're so invested in their own narrative and doubling down on that and the blame because it's just easier. Uh, yep. I don't, I don't know how much work is going to get done. Now the, the optimistic side says that a whole, a whole bunch of people reach out and they say, thanks for doing what you're doing. So like I get a little black pilled from time to time where I'm like, Ooh, I don't even know if our work matters. Um, because I just see so much way. overwhelming <laughs> yeah, like th the binary nature of the two sides, right? Um, but one one of the physician guys that I talk to for pretty frequently, his frustration is like, look, forever the healthcare community was banging on the gun community to, to do something, and the gun community just dug its heels in and said, you know, pray for my cold dead hands, they wouldn't even come to the table. And the gun community has never advocated for expansive mental mental health care or healthcare broadly. I was like, that's a really good point. <laughs> You've never heard, you know. NRA or 2AO being like, you know what we need? Um, we need lower copays. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, and that's, that's a great, that's a great pl place to start is like, let's get some of these manufacturers, maybe or these associations to, to start advocating for better healthcare coverage. Um, that doesn't require raising taxes. You know, I mean, there's lots of policy things that we could do that. It was just a point that I'd never considered before. And um, yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're uh, not off base. Well, and it's like I said, I mean, I, I, it's just one of those things where sometimes the simple explanation isn't as simple as people think. And, and it's one of those things where the, the simple explanation is, is if, if you're going to complain about mental health being blamed then do something about it. I don't think anybody takes it personally as the thing. I, I think, yeah. I think we hear that and we just go, ah, somebody else's problem. I, and sure. meanwhile, people like me are busy. We're, we're fat, dumb, and happy in our clinics. We don't look at ourselves as part, part of the solution. And if we ever did, it would mean lots and lots of sacrifice and hours like yeah. Mike and I are putting in, you know, away from our families. Yeah. And producing yeah. podcasts. Yeah. Like yeah. who wants to do that? Because that is exactly why I did what I did. 
because I got yeah. tired of hearing that we were bad as the gun people, <laughs> you know? Right. So I was like, all right, like we'll, we'll, we'll do something. And you know, it's proven to be true because I don't, I mean, there hasn't been a moment where I haven't shown somebody that's either anti-gun or gun neutral or pro-gun what we do. And they, all three of them go, that's really cool. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you have the ability to touch all three segments, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I'll be the first one to tell you, like, you know, you're saying that you think they would think like that. And I did think like that, you know? So yeah, you would think they would think like that. Stop blaming us. But that's, that goes back to what I was saying. Like, do you want to just point out problems or you want to like provide solutions? It doesn't have Absolutely. to be the smartest solution in the, you know, in the universe. It, it only takes a, it only takes something to get the ball rolling. And if someone else picks up that ball and takes it a little bit further, gives it to someone else and they take a little bit further instead of one person trying to push or two people or 10 people trying to push this boulder the whole way. It's, Hey, I need, I need 10 people to push it a foot. And then I got 10 more people. It's got the next foot. And that's in, in my eyes, that's the way it should work. And maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm just overzealous to think that why wouldn't they want to get involved with this? I don't know. Um, Clove, I want to bring you in before we start. I got some questions that I want to ask. There's questions out there in the in the chat we'll get to. Um, obviously, you know Jake and Mike as well, very well. Uh, do you have anything that you want to ask or bring up before we go to some more questions? Yeah, I mean, I'm curious. Um, you know, Jake, I hear, I, mean, I hear you talking, and you're talking about, you know, if you get – you know, a, a large percentage of, you know, those gun owners that are skeptical coming into clinics, you know, talking about more time for you guys. So art, how do I put this? I mean, is there a lack of mental health professionals out there in the country right now? Is that one of the things that you're saying? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm in Nevada where we're dead last in behavioral health in the country and have been for many years. And that's by a, a ranking the state's report that Mental Health America puts out every year. Mental Health America powers our free and anonymous mental health screenings on the on the WTTA website. But um, Nevada's dead last. We're dead last in children's uh, mental health, wow. too. So but it's it's um, it's countrywide. And I'll give a little description of how what how what I think has transpired has um, affected yeah. everybody. So uh, for years and years and years, it was. Um, hide mental illness in the dark, right? It's this weird, spooky thing. Nobody can wrap their arms around because it's not tangible. You can't point to a, like the way that you can point to a, a bloody finger when you scrape it or something. Uh, so it's, it was weird and spooky and some people thought it was of the occult and, um, you know, the psychiatrists and psychologists of yesteryear were regarded as weirdos. And, uh, so we fast forward through the seventies, eighties, nineties, starts to get a little more traction, gets a little more popular. People like, you know, Frazier Crane, you know, the character on Cheers and then Frazier sort of pushed it into the the light a little bit. And then he gets more pop culture mentioning it and whatnot. But it's still, we, we as the practitioners still held ourselves in the dark. We lived in the shadows. And I'll give you an example of one of the ways we did that uh, in graduate school. And so I went to grad school 12, 14 years ago. And um, that's not ancient history. They're still teaching that you don't acknowledge your patients in public it's like what that is how we get stigmatized when we treat our patients as weirdos uh they don't want to come in because they think they're weirdos 
my orthopedist doesn't do that. My dentist doesn't do that. My financial advisor goes golfing with me. You know, they all handle private sensitive information. Why are we different? Well, it's because we took this uh, role and we, we made more of it than it should have been made. And so we were like, well, we're extra special. And, and there's, there's lots and lots of little anecdotes that I could tell, but it's like, it's literally getting taught in the graduate schools, hide in the shadows. Um, for example, when I was talking about having a podcast and going on social media years ago, I was told, don't do that. That could be considered treating without consent. It's like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard from somebody who authored a book, (laughs) professor so-and-so who literally has a book. And it's like, how is that not treatment without consent? So anyway, that goes on. Now we've gone in the last two years, especially, but I'd say probably five to seven years, we've gone from nobody talks about mental illness and mental health care to everybody has a mental illness and everybody's got trauma. And, and oh, by the way, because of the, the chasm that we've created, the gap, the void, if you will, that my people created, somebody had to fill that market demand. And guess who it was? It was these online mega teletherapy companies who don't do it the right way, absolutely screwed everybody over and are now presenting counseling as something that it is not, which is brief, mm-hmm. distant, instant success. And it's, it's not that at all. It's never been that. And we, we just chucked a hundred years worth of research and, and, uh, evidence out the window because people wanted to get paid. And so that's happening. And what, what it's caused is a way larger market demand for the services than we have providers available. So yes, we're short of providers and the providers we have are not very good. And there's this insecurity in my field where like, I don't want to heal you too much because you might disappear from my calendar and I'm insecure that maybe you won't fill that appointment. It's like, I do the exact opposite with my company. I try to tell everybody like, get them in, get them treated better, deeper, faster. You don't have to see them. Yeah. Yeah. It might not be a great business model, but it's great for- I want to work myself out of a job, right? Like- Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love the fact that you bring that up because that is something that's a real thing for real. That is, that is a real thing. Not saying you, but that is, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's skepticism based on just, will it even work? You know, if I go to counseling, will, will I even get better or am I going to be stuck at Tuesday at 4 PM in perpetuity because the dude needs to make money. It's like, man, if you're a decently functioning human being, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with eight to 12 appointments is a lot. Like that's a lot. Uh, you should, you should be pretty much cured if you're going once every two weeks for half a year, uh, yeah. like uh, outside of well, massive at least have a game plan of towards getting, you know, the game plan or the strategy of getting better. You should buy mm-hmm. the, you should at least have the idea of what's going to take. Uh, I want to, I want to let Mike and, and, and Jake Clover jump in on this as well. Um, I love Calaveras. He's out there in California, but he says gun owners don't equal pro gun. He does not trust doctors with that info. And I think Jake, that's kind of what you're talking about. And and Mike as well. There is still a lot of that distrust in the medical field with, from gun owners. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I, I would. And that's the tough part, right? Because we can, there's, anecdotally we can point towards examples where people have been screwed over especially like in the state of new york right but in in defense of of some doctors and uh some clinicians because i've watched them work through this when they're they're in our course um sometimes they just don't know how to approach the situation and i get it it's like super scary when someone's just like do you own guns it's like why the hell are you asking me that right (laughs) you know what i mean and how does that apply to my broken arm like, like, you know, and it, 
it, it, it seems that. this is exactly what we, why we're doing what we're doing, right? Because we want to train the people that are the good people uh, yeah. to understand. Like, there's a way to talk to us. There's a way to 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 say, you know, this is about an action plan as opposed to you know the scary. I don't blame anybody for lying when they when someone asks them flat out, "Do you own guns?" Yeah, I understand. Uh, Clove, you got a clo- uh, follow up? Do you not? Yeah, I mean, with the shortage, Jake, I mean, if there's young people out there, folks looking for a career change, whatever the case may be, right? Um, what is a, what is the minimum, like, requirement level of education, what you've got to do to get into the professional level to be able to to work in that, the mental health arena? Well, uh, to do to, to have a license to do what I do, which is bill insurance and do counseling, it's generally a master's degree. You can get a doctoral degree and become a psychologist. Psychologists these days don't do a lot of therapy. They do more psychometric testing, uh, functional stuff. Uh, psychiatry, which is your, your MD, but spe- you know, specializes in um, psychiatric stuff. That's a, that's a medical degree. So four years beyond college plus a residency plus a fellowship. Now they, um, the psychiatrists are the ones that can prescribe. Prescribe. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So so real quickly, the difference for the audience, a uh, medical doctor prescribes medicine. They're they're psychiatrists. Psychologists are generally doctoral degree. Not every state requires that. For example, Samantha Mann, who is a gun owner, positive to a person, writes for NRA women. She's a psychologist in West Virginia, has a master's degree. Uh, Nevada requires a doctoral. Uh, and then you got Clinical social worker, uh, marriage and family therapist, professional counselor, uh, those are all master's level. And then you have alcohol and drug counselors, which can be bachelor's or master's level. Uh, so below that, uh, there's like peer supporters, um, generally no degree required. Sometimes bachelor's helps. Uh, but uh, what we're trying to get is more like community-based mental health workers who don't need to go the full length of school because I happen to think that you know, humanity made it this far uh, over 40,000 years or so in its current iteration without my profession. I think we probably do it without us. So maybe we need to start pushing down the, the talent and education and training to people who don't necessarily need the graduate degree. And then we can help. The problem is we got associations who have protections against that. They want to like fill their egos and make money or whatever. So um, there's a little bit of a struggle, but I think it's overwhelmingly obvious at this point that we need more help. Um, but that's basically the out, the sketch outline. And, the, and usually the higher on the ladder you go, the higher pay you get too. Well, so then, peer support doesn't get very, very much. Yeah. But then you've got, I think part of what you're talking about is almost like a, a guerrilla warfare style move where, I mean, we need to be better community leaders, neighbors, yeah. friends, yeah. family better members. Listen, better listeners exactly. to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Being soldiers exactly. on the street. Yeah. Well, that's why I teach this stuff. That's why I put out emotional functioning videos, because I want people to have this information that I obtained uh, without having to go through the rigmarole and incur a bunch of student loan debt and apply it in your own life. Like stay out of my clinic. You know, like we again, we can lean on our friends and neighbors to solve our problems. Every once in a while, you need to level up to professional psychotherapy, just like you need to level up to a professional auto mechanic sometimes. But generally, you know, like I was putting up shelves today and I need to hire a co- you know, contractor to do that. I, YouTube video and I got it done. So um, if we can do that with our mental well-being, great. Awesome. Uh, Going to field some questions. This can be for Mike and for Jake, whichever one. Uh, from G-Webs, you got a couple that we're going to bring up. Is there anything that can be done for groups of people who are experiencing something stressful together? Would that be in the scope of Walk the Talk America? 
Now, I, I don't know what he means by groups of people. I'm, I'm thinking it may be, um, I don't know if he means like a group of people like veterans as a community, or does he mean, let's take Uvalde, a group of people that are in Texas right now that are grieving or struggling, experiencing stress together. I, I don't know what he means, but um, let's just take it as an example of a Facebook group of people that have found each other that are trying to help each other deal with stressful situations. And I'm just going to use this as an example. Um, is that something that Walk the Talk America would uh, be involved with or what? Well, we got a lot on our plate. <laughs> that's a good idea. So I'll just say that. No, um, it, it's it's not that we couldn't do it. I think that's a great idea where we could see my mind's turning now toward like you mentioned Facebook and that's exactly where I went is um, people get together, they form their own communities uh, for whatever reasons, and then they go out and meet in person, hopefully, uh, you know, when we're not locked down by stupid people. Um, and you have, you know, beers down at the sports bar to talk about your commonality, uh, wh whatever that may be, whether it's uh, Giants fandom or you know recent divorces or whatever it is um and i think that that's a useful tool i don't know why walk the talk couldn't facilitate that through its own website it would take a, you know some build out obviously more money because we don't have that and websites take money and group chats and all that stuff but i think that'd be kind of a cool thing for gun owners to know that they're in at least similar company when the discussing place, things. you will yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that word's been, you know, or that phrase has been beaten up a little bit, but it truly like that's, yeah, it's a, it's a trustworthy environment mm -hmm. where, you know, you're not going to get, um, you know, snitched or whatever. Absolutely. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, oh, well, this will go to Mike, because this will be something that over your four years, Mike, he says, has Walk the Talk America had any new revelations or ideas with the recent session of anti-gun owner political pressure. Uh, and he's talking about because there's a lot of new gun owners in the last few years that are experiencing um, the pressure that we're on every time that there's a mass murder out there. Um, a lot of these new gun owners are experiencing the attack, if you will, um, against gun owners through media and the political process. Um, have you, Mike, been in concept with any of these newer gun owners, maybe at NRAM or something like that, that are kind of wondering why this happens. Yeah, I'm not getting emails like that. Um, you know, I mean, it, once again, it's like when these things happen and you hear, and I think Jake goes through this too, because I see you on Twitter and then like guys like Eddie Davenport, people that are like really involved in WTTA. It's like when we see these things, we realize that most people are talking, they either chose not to be educated on a subject, like say like a David Hogg, right? Like there ain't no damn way, way that he's just managed to make it this far without, he's purposely not trying to learn, right? Like, right. like sure. I'm just going to stick my head down and, and just move forward and not educate myself. So, you know, it, it, I don't really get the, the new gun owner I would say that's probably more for the organizations, right? I like so probably too, the yeah. people that are a part of like, say liberal gun club or liberal gun owners or armed, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, the I, only I feel thing like there's so many different networks for gun, like current gun owners that get it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The only thing that I could think that might be an interesting thing is 
after two weeks ago and Buffalo and some other things when mental health and mental illness has been thrown around to validate restrictions on our rights or the proposal of restrictions on our rights because of this, um, using red flag laws, if you will. Um, maybe the newer gun owners are going through that. They're like, oh, wow, you know, I've never really, they never understood why we get upset as a community when we hear about gun deaths and why we're so quick to react, good or bad, and, and this is an argument that can happen, that our initial reaction, yeah, but two-thirds of those are suicide. Ho, ho, hold on. Like, I, I get that that's a, a defensive mechanism that our, our community and our industry has is, Hey, not all of those gun deaths are are, are legitimate. The, only two thirds, only one third is two thirds of those are suicide. The fact that we as a community don't even acknowledge sometimes the two thirds is scary. And I think that they've come up ways that they're starting to acknowledge. And folks like you two are saying this is one of the reasons why, if we can cut that number down so far, then. We don't have to use that argument, but it still is to me a little upsetting when the two thirds is almost dismissed because it's not a right number. It's not a correct number. Two thirds of those are suicide, homie. Any life is that's gone via the firearm doesn't matter if it's suicide or not. Just because it was suicide and no one else was hurt, that makes it irrelevant. Right, and, right. and that's where I think that we haven't grown. You know, well. That, Jake, I remember you said something so awesome one time. I use it all the time. What What is your threshold for death? Right. <laughs> right? Like, you know, it's, that's it's, that's what we're debating, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. and I, I think I actually stole that from Pincus um, because he was talking about magazine capacity limits, and um, he made a great point. Is very, I mean, it, you could feel the the energy shift in the room during one of our trainings when he said how many bullets does it take to take a life and it's like he's holding one it's like so what's the magazine capacity that is going to be acceptable now we're debating level of death acceptability all right and so i actually i have an article coming out shortly and i'll share it with you guys later and we'll probably even post to the website about how there's new new thought among multiple people um about how suicide suicide turned outward is mass murder. It's you're you're so displeased with yourself you can't just take your own life. You got to take somebody else out with you, if not multiple people. And so, how do you not conclude that mental illness is a part of that? And people in my community who don't want to acknowledge that that's a part of it that could be addressed through social programming, all sorts of different policies that don't have anything to do with guns, they don't want to move off the gun thing because it's tangible. It's, it's easy to point to the gun and say, just control that. Right. It's, and you know, it's, you know, it's hard, um, longitudinal effort, long-term goals, like 20 years from now, our goal is to reduce suicides by 40%. Like who's good. What politician is going to campaign on that? That doesn't, that doesn't fill the coffers between election cycles. So the, the other hard part too, is if, if you're really all about like getting rid of guns, David Hogg, stop marching for our lives and go repeal the second amendment. Oh, except you need 75% of state legislatures to do that. And that'll never happen. Yeah. So what they do is this mealy mouth middle ground, like we're just going to restrict some things because it's, it's not about restricting guns. It's not about gun control. Cause if it were, they go the full boat. It's about 
feeding their own egos, putting money in their bank accounts and winning the next election and pandering to the base. It's like it's so ridiculous. And both sides of the political spectrum do it. What are we doing? We're walking in the middle where the hard work is done. It's like no wonder nobody wants to join us. It's hard and you get eggs thrown at you from both sides. Yeah. If you ever want to really like this is what I've been doing lately on Twitter because I, I just pick my shots. Like I don't try to get you know, um, but it's really funny because like I've, I have this one thing that that ends the conversation every single time when someone says like ban ARs or do this. And I'm like, OK, after you get through the ban, what are you going to do for the kid? Or what are you going to do for the person who's troubled? And it's funny because no one will answer it. Because once you take the school the away, the, the threat doesn't go away. Right. The the, the the base reason for this happening doesn't go away, guys. Yeah, and that's why I think it's just it's it's political point scoring and you know whatever whatever you want to call it, virtue signaling to say root cause mitigation. It will root cause mitigation takes a lot of effort and sacrifice, time, resources, and commitment and political will. It's way mm -hmm. easier just be like, uh, ten rounds. It's like, okay, well. Let's pretend we may wave the magic wand and we get it's, rid of it's all homicides. Better too. Yeah, it, it, it does. Yeah, all homicides. You still got twenty four thousand deaths a year by suicide. But like to my earlier point, if I didn't make that strong enough, if we go address people's well being in the individual, it will ripple through society. In the family, it will ripple through the community. You address individual well being. You get people healed and healthy. Yeah, we'll stop some suicides. We'll get some people some help along the way. But we're also going to catch some of those mass shooters. We're also going to catch some of those homicide perpetrators. And you can't quantify it, unfortunately. That's that's not a thing that goes on a on a placard, you know. So well, and, um, and how many families do you keep intact? How many right? Yep. The, the, yep. the societal repercussions or benefits or whatever whatever you want to say because benefits you can't be quantify better. that. There's how many no marriages way. are healed? There's, how many marriages yeah, exactly. are saved? How many kids don't drop out of school? Yeah. Uh, how many chronic truancies are are solved? Yep. You know, like uh, all the things that lead to the thing. Uh, but I, and I, I read about this in the article, but I'll share it with the audience. Clinically, what we do when somebody walks into the door, I go, hi, I'm Jake. Nice to meet you. Uh, what brings you in today? And Ghost says, hi, I'm Ghost. What brings me in today is struggling with anxiety or whatever. OK, now we've got a problem. OK, so that's the top of the, the hierarchy there. Beneath that problem, we have to set a goal. What do you want, Ghost? And he says, well, I'd like less anxiety. All right. How much less? 40 uh, percent less. However much we however we quantify that. Right. OK, now we have a goal. Now we got objectives to the goal. And it'd be something like, all right, um, you're going to meditate twice a day. Uh, you're going to learn how your emotions function. You're going to learn to self-validate. Cool. And then we do an intervention. The intervention may look like shutting off the screen for two hours or something, or it may look like uh, going on a camping trip once every two weeks or whatever, right? That's the intervention. Here's the problem we got with, with society's uh, public health etc because this happened with covid too we have a problem and then we jump straight to the intervention we don't know if that's necessarily going to work we have no idea how to monitor whether or not it is and it's the same thing with this this uh you know guns and mental health stuff it's like well what's the problem too many firearm deaths great what's the goal reduce them what are the objectives how will we know they should be time limited and measurable then we go to the intervention the intervention just supersedes everything. And we're like, I guess we'll figure it out as we go. It's like, that's yeah. not how you do things. Not, not in my world anyway. Yep. Uh, real quick. Mandatory carry says our super chats going to the guests tonight. Yes. 
Uh, we do not ask for, nor do we uh, encourage them. Tonight we are. Um, every dime, every cent, every penny that Super Chats go are going to go being donated to Walk the Talk America. So, yes, 100%. So get your wallets out. And if you're ever going to send me a Super Chat, usually we send it to uh, care packages downrange. Tonight, every cent is going to go, including the part that you two takes from it. I'll cover that. Is all going well. So get your wallets out, and uh, and 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 if you're ever going to spend money, uh, tonight's the night. So yeah, I want to go real quick because um, we actually let me go back up here because we did have a super chat and it was mandatory carry sent six dollars. So um, all of you guys out there, go ahead and uh, if you're interested, super chat. It's all going to go to Walk Talk America, and uh, and we won't ask where it goes, Mike. Um, we know that you've got so many different revenue streams that have to go so many different places. That's an inside joke. Uh, just an inside joke between Mike and I. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, uh, you might have to jump in. I, I got, I saw a question here. I want to ask real quick. Um, yeah, go for can, it. can you be a psychologist and a psychiatrist at the same time? Yes, you can. Um, okay. you can, you can be both. Um, let's see here. Real Thank quick, and I'm gonna Yeah, Clover, I appreciate you. Ten bucks, because I think Mike is sexy and always gives the best man hugs. Um, this <laughs> dude is like a professional fucking model, so yeah, he is sexy. <laughs> literally uh, a male model. <laughs> literally like the bugle boy kid, right? <laughs> and I know you've got there. It is the blue steel. Let's see it. <laughs> Is, you remember the magnets you gave out at like shot show or something? Oh, that was ago? a few years ago. For you oh my god, oh, it was yeah. uh, he had the old I he had the like new kids in the block look. I mean, it was like, yeah, I think yeah. it was, I think it's still on my fridge. It was there forever. I, I would my go life. to people's houses and I would leave those magnets, yeah. on, magnets on their fridge and, and literally like get a call about an hour after I left. And they're like, dude, I don't know. I don't know how long it was there for my wife recognized it. She's like, who is that? I said, look at it really good. You know who that is. She was like, oh. The two greatest things that have come out of like Shot Show are that one and then Big Tony, Tony Simon's Lovatron, the, yes. in the hot tub. Yeah, those, I was two, say, those will never be passed. Those will never so ever be surprised. Mike actually used to do professional photo shoots in bathtubs in a non-ironic way. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rod out there, Aegis Gun Care, fifty dollars. Let's kill people. Thank you, Rod. Thank Seventy you, bucks you. from G twenty three. Uh, Mike's an amazing person. Interview. He's even a better person to like know. Um, it's really kind of a cool thing. Uh, Twenty dollars from Catskill Fud. Here we go. You guys rule. Um, so keep them on coming. I appreciate you guys. I usually don't ask for them, but tonight I'm going to ask for them. Um, so there's a, there's a point that Clover and I talk about pretty frequently and we talked about it not too long ago for hey, obvious we reasons. Can't, we can't do that live on the air. Come on, man. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but, uh, you know, and it's one of those things where, uh, and, and I made a statement and I don't know if I'm right or not in my mind, I'm always right. But, um, but I also hear voices. So what does that have to say about me? Um, but I want to bring Jake in. And, and, and from a clinical thing side of things, my stance is this in a very broad way. But any time a human being takes another life, another human life, whether it's war, 
whether it's self-defense, whether it's just madness, whatever it is, it's not a natural act. So am I off base at saying anytime another human being takes another human life, even if it's just for that split second, they're not in their right mental mind because it is not a natural act? How much time you got? Well, we can go as long as you want, bro. <laughs> so it's interesting. So thanks, Clover, for posting that. So those are the emotional yeah. functioning videos. I don't know if Absolutely. that's able to be copied and pasted, but if you go to Zephyr Wellness and just type in um, emotional functioning, you, you'll see the videos. Uh, contempt is one of our 10 core emotions. And contempt, as identified by this guy, Carol Izzard, whose work I cite when I teach this stuff, is, let me back up. All 10 emotions are uh, useful for interpreting what the environment is doing. Okay, so, so they all serve a purpose. They're neither good nor bad. They just are. Now, they have reasons. And the reason that we have contempt is, so Izzard says, is for things like war and defense and conquering. So you can, you can have disagreements about the purpose of those. That's fine. But that's the emotion that we use when we inflict harm upon others. And so goes the theory. It's really hard to hurt somebody unless you think you're not, they're not like you. That's so contempt is like looking down on somebody like they're, they're different, they're separate okay. and they're, they're lesser than. So if somebody comes it's, and attacks, which is not always yeah. a good thing or a bad thing. It could, depends right. it on the way it goes. Yeah. yeah. It's just a thing. And how we interpret that based on belief systems and all that stuff can be debated. But the point is that's, that's the emotion out of which we act when we inflict harm, pain, death. So it could be a person, it could be a, a nation, it could be a tribe, whatever. So if you're attacked, you're going to fight back because you have the self-preservation instinct that says, um, holy crap, they're coming after me. I need to live, not necessarily them. I hope they do too, probably if you're a, you know, a reasonable human being and we don't just go killing people capriciously. But at the end of the day, you go home is the thought, right? Um, who, who knows what happens to them? And it's that contempt emotion that drives that. So now from contempt, we can say, are you in your right mind? Well, that's that begets a, a deeper philosophical discussion about what are we doing on the planet, right? How are we supposed to be living in harmony with each other? Um, if the species is to, to continue, we would all want to kind of stifle that emotion of contempt and choose something like, you know, gratitude and, and great and like graciousness and service to others and that kind of thing. Those are, those are acts, not emotions, but uh, joy and excitement, that sort of thing, instead of hating people. Um, so uh, to answer your question, anytime you kill something, yeah, I would say it's true. I mean, if you take a life, whether it's a, a fly that's buzzing around my kitchen right now, or, um, or another human being, you're looking down on that thing like it's lesser than you. Otherwise, you that's wouldn't true. kill it, right? It doesn't matter the justification. It doesn't matter if it's a, a poisonous fly that's going to eat you or whatever. You want to live. And out of that emotion of contempt, it's lesser than I. I deserve to live. I will move on. That's that's what happens. That's the simplest way I could do it without writing a book about it. But if you wanted a good book, um, I, I would recommend a book. Yeah. All my free time. Um, yeah. I got shelves to hang, man. <laughs> I got edges to trim. <laughs> the, the kids and the wife come back in six days. Um, so uh, it's called uh, Facing Evil, Light at the Core of Darkness. And uh, if you give me a minute, I'll pull up the author. But it's 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 kind of a hard book to find, but it's super good because it's a bunch of collected essays by psychiatrists and psychologists and philosophers uh, from yesteryear. Awesome. Uh Clove, anything that you want to bring up or ask real quick? 
No, I put out when Jake was talking about that, that, you know, I think hunters go through a lot of different range of emotions. They understand <laughs> the value of life and death and taking a life and that sort of thing. Um, because it's different. I mean, it's different when I'm shooting a pig in the face because he's tearing up a pasture or they mm-hmm. are, let's, let's be honest. There's no he or she, it's they um, are tearing up a pasture and, and causing horses to break their leg or whatever it might be damaging crops. And you know, you're going to shoot them in the face and you're going to just leave them there for the circle of life for the buzzards of the coyotes, which you'll probably shoot those in the face too, because those take out the, the baby calves. Right. Um, and so that's World a totally, that's a totally different feeling than the deer. And you're going to take the deer home and eat the deer, but there's a different set of feelings for that, right? It's like, it's just a different thing. It's like the deer hasn't, it's not causing a nuisance, right? The deer is not causing problems for the environment. The, you know, when it, you know, get where I'm going with this? And so yeah. it's a completely yeah. different thing. It's like, man, I, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Bang. Okay. Now I got to clean the thing and the poor deer. And, and then you eat it and you're like, man, this is good. You know, it's like, thank you, deer. This is awesome. Yeah. I, I would, I would actually argue that the same principle remains true. Uh, the nuisance of the, the deer, if you can put it in air quotes for those who aren't watching on YouTube, um, the nuisance is that, <laughs> uh, you're hungry <laughs> and you're going to, well, live- Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and it could be it could be nuisance. Or you're cold. It's, it's you can a, utilize that deer for justify yeah, yeah. well, clothing so, justification. You know, yeah, sure. So when you're talking about hunting, game animals are regulated for a reason. They're regulated because they need to be regulated. If the deer, there was no hunting and the deer population exploded, you wouldn't have crops. Right. So it has to be that has to be managed in a certain way. It's just it's a little bit more disconnected because it's not my crops, right? It's not. Yeah, I was so, I was thinking more, uh, uh, I guess, anarchist, esoteric, like you know, let's pretend there is no governance, let's pretend there is no wildland management, like you know, the eat. The, the species are going to figure it out, right? Like the you know, deer population yeah. goes up, crop population, point. wolf population goes up, rabbit population goes down, right? So, uh, yeah. That's right. a big criticism from from leftists, right? It's like humans are destroying the planet because we're greedy and fat and stupid. And it's like, eh, I kind of agree with that. Like, we're not we're not being good stewards of our environment often. No, um, G Webs out there uh, says good points, Jake. Uh, would you think that all the therapy? Yo, what's no, up? I was just saying thanks. Ding. Oh yeah, ding. Point for Jake. Uh, cough clap. He said, would you think that all the therapists right now would be stepping in to say you can just take away one dangerous item and solve anything? This is a mass delusion. I think you touched on that when we talked about the tool. Um, Regardless of what that tool is, you know, at this point, it's an AR or it's this or that. It could be this. It could be cars, whatever that tool could be. yeah, do you see that? I mean, is it what is he saying? Is it is I, that I wish, a mass delusion by the masses of therapists? Yeah, no, it's it's not a mass delusion. It's more of an individual lack of desire to evolve and care. Um, and I would say this to anybody's face who this isn't just me spitting on a podcast. Like my my clinical community here in town, I would challenge them and say, you don't understand gun culture if that's your 
solution. You don't understand guns. You don't understand gun culture. Okay, take my class. And they won't. And why won't they? That's the question. Why won't they? And why are they clinging to this belief that it's just the thing? And I think it goes back to the instant gratification and, and the feel good messaging of, well, we did something. It's like you did something that didn't make a difference. That's that's the problem. And to get out of that box requires not just, you know, working. You don't have to pitch in and actually help Walk Talk America. You you can change your mind, but changing your mind means that you got to let go of previously held beliefs. And sometimes those previously held beliefs are conflated with identity. So if you have long held a belief and now something, some new information comes in and says, maybe you need to question that belief. It's really hard to let go because you've confused what you think with who you are. And so therefore to change your mind is to change who you are at your character. And it's like, people just aren't interested in doing that. So they don't, and I, and I, th I also don't think they're interested in solving the problem. I really don't. If they, if they were, they would do something other than the low hanging fruit of political theater. Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately uh, though, Jake, I'm starting to believe that the gun industry, not the people on this podcast or any of the listeners, I'm the talking industry, about industry, yeah. the industry, industry doesn't want to solve it either. So unfortunately, yeah, a I'm lot of ego there. So, same ego, same belief system, same, you know, camel's nose in the tent, you know, give them an inch. It's like, who is them? Us? You me? You're talking about me right now? You, you don't want to put the Walk the Talk America free and anonymous mental health screenings link on your box of ammo, CCI, or whoever you are. Because on your website? You, because you think that what? You think that the congressional representative who's already out to get you is now going to use that against you like how how does this work like riddle me through the conclusion here on this logic trip because it's it doesn't make sense and i don't think that i just think they're not interested because it's hard work it's hard work to change one's mind when you've held the belief for 25 years or whatever it is it's like nope 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 I, nope 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 can't yeah, go there I, can't go. I, i'm literally at the nra show and i'm meeting with all these companies and i don't want to throw names out there yet because i'm still having follow-up meetings but i <laughs> I'm like, hey, all these people are going to get named in lawsuits now, right? Uh, you're going to see it now because the precedent has been set. Since the insurance companies from Remington decided to settle, everyone's going to get sued. And, well, and especially there's a couple big companies that are publicly traded companies. Right. This is going to be an issue that people don't even think about. The publicly traded issues. How many of these shareholders are going to go to ruger smith and wesson and say what the hell are you doing in the in the ar game you know yeah and well and they, so you know in ruger's defense the they saw me walking in the hallway and they're like so did you get over here like so that's they're, they're like they're they're trying to get ahead of it but no but i'm saying is their shareholders what i mean that's right. a publicly traded company at what point do you have to listen to your shareholders well, exactly you know? they have shareholders that are anti-gun which is really exactly. funny yeah, yeah so exactly. it's a but like for me to have to explain to a company that you could use the fact that you give every one of your customers the opportunity to seek help before they do something horrific. You can demonstrate that in court. You can hold up whatever it is, the card, whatever it is you do, right? Like it doesn't even, let's take WTT out of it. Let's just say like we have free and anonymous mental health screenings in the boxes of our firearms for all of our customers so that they can 
get help before what we call stage four, right? Nobody should go get help at stage four. They need to go at stage one because stage four is like so late. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen of the court, <laughs> right? We're, we're doing this. I think that would go a long way. It might not win your court battle, but once again, like, why do I have to explain this to gun companies and they just sit there like meerkats? Yeah. Are you stupid? Oh, maybe you are. You know what I mean? Maybe you're so set in your ways that you are. But just to not play chess and think forward or look down the field or whatever analogy, you know, whatever, you know, it's like, I don't understand why it's that difficult. And if it's not WTTA, then do it with somebody else. Like figure it out, figure out a way to be better. Absolutely. hundred percent. By the way, I've been putting the links out there, the free and anonymous screening walk the talk America.org slash love. Hey, I want to ask you guys something. I'm going to flip this around and play podcast host. Um, Absolutely. You've been, you guys been in the gun community a lot longer than I have. And I'm curious how much of it is just a machismo? How much of it is just, I don't want to admit weakness and I don't want my customers to think I was a company. I'm weak. Like how much of it is that? Um, I, I think, and I'll let Clover talk about this as well. To me, I think there's several factors. One of it is ego. Um, not admitting that there is a problem, um, whether it's at a personal or at an industry or company level, uh, it's easier to ignore than it is like Mike says to actually work hard and fix something. Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to on a personal level. Um, admitting that there's a problem means automatically weakness mm-hmm. and gun industry is full of egos and badasses and, um, you know, hard guys that are just, you know, salt of the earth and God forbid that we actually have problems um i'll tell you this much on the veteran side that is probably one of the biggest i'm sure jake and mike you both know this but that is probably the biggest problem with veterans not seeking help is the actual two things one the actual admitting that there's a problem okay uh most warriors don't want to admit that that something's off uh they're less of a man if you will uh, I think a lot of it too is ignorance to the situation. And this is not just on the veteran level. This is at any level. You don't know what you don't know. And there, there are people and, and Jake, you can probably back me up on this. There are many people, whether they're a veteran or not, that are suffering from mental illness that don't realize it. Yeah. They don't understand. They don't see that their, their entire personality has changed, that everything that they know to be true is much different in the eyes of their family that see it every day. And uh, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but there are things if you're, if you're out there and you see a loved one, a friend, anyone that's personalities have completely changed, say something because they may not understand that their personalities have changed. They may, they may think that everything's just hunky dory and nothing's changed when they may not realize they're not sleeping in four days they may not realize that they're grouchy every time someone even tries to talk to them. They may not understand that every time a horn goes off, they freak out. They don't understand that. They don't see that. Um, for, for, but to answer your question, I think a lot of it is 
it doesn't exist if we don't talk about it. And I think that it's it's much easier for people to just dismiss it than to, as Mike would say, fight for something. Be willing to pick, take your time, your money, your effort into doing something to help. Uh, so it's a lot easier to say, well, if I just ignore it, someone else will pick up the ball. Man, that ball's been that ball's been stable for a long time. Um, Clover, what would you say to Jake? I think when we're talking about uh, Mike and I had some of this conversation, I think yesterday. Yeah. I think where we're talking about the general public, I think that it's you kind of talked about the tabooness of it and all that, and I think that that plays a role. Um. Yeah. I think there also is a certain element of it's not my problem. Uh, and I think there's a yep. lot of that. I mean, how many people, you know, you know, it, it's tough, man. I mean, how many people walk by a homeless guy or, you know, do anything and it's not my, it's not my problem. And, 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 I, and I get that. It's not my problem either, yep. but you know, like I'm, I don't have the means to to lift somebody out of poverty, but at least I can be nice. So maybe when I walk by, at least I, you know, hey man, uh, you know, how's it going? Or you know, maybe compliment something, or maybe, you know, I don't know, something. Find something, right? To to maybe some positivity. And this is that's where I'm going with this, is people are drawn to the train wreck. They're drawn to the negativity. I don't know what it is. Jake would be better suited to telling me than I with humanity and they had rather watched the nasty, gory train wreck than they had watched the whatever the their kids at the Sadie Hawkins dance or you get what I'm saying, the blue ribbon ceremonies at the county fair. Um, and so that bleeds over into a bigger issue I've got which is you talked about contempt earlier. Ooh, the contempt runs deep when we talk about that. I talk about this, especially. Um, and it goes to the people um, and not really the people out there that's listening to this live or probably in, in replay because they've heard me say this before. Um, but the vast majority of people like that negativity. They want the gloom and doom. They want the skies falling. They want that validation that their feelings, right? of whatever it might be they're, they're validated right in a negative way i think and so you have these media sources be it youtubers be it whatever and the biggest problem i've got is with a lot of the big youtubers and they put out a thing we all know the bipartisan legislation that the Republicans and the Democrats are working on it at the national level now G-Webs mentioned something about that how you guys are poised to help you know, with that sort of thing. And I think you are, but we've got to get people knowing what WTTA is. We've got to people, get people aware of, of what you guys bring to the table, right? And we don't do that on my channel. We don't do that on Ghost Channel near as effectively because we can do it on channels with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of eyes, right? But here's the problem. They put out a video talking about the bipartisan legislation in which they mentioned mental health five dozen freaking times with that legislation. And they never once talk about the four years that you guys have put into trying to make the difference in that area, in that arena. Right now, are they doing it because 
that's something positive and they want to play on what all the viewers and listeners out there want, I think that's probably more so the case than they're ignorant of who you are. And the reason I say that is I could reach out to them and say, hey, why don't you guys, whenever you're talking about legislation, whether it be Walk the Talk America or whether they're covering something with legislation that maybe one of the women from the D.C. Project has testified on in front of Congress, right? You've got these organizations that need a big positive spotlight put on them. Why don't you enter that in and say, hey, they're working on this legislation. They mentioned mental health a bunch of times. If you're not aware, Walk the Talk America has been working to, you know, affect change in this area for a long time. The government's trying to ram it down our throat however they see fit. We've got people inside the gun community, the gun industry, right? That's working to make these changes and have for four years, right? And get that spotlight on them. When I make that suggestion to them, in private, mind you, I'm accused of I just want publicity so that I grow my efforts. And I'm like, I'm, I'm asking you to talk about Walk the Talk America, not me. I could, don't mention me. Don't say that Clover told me about them or I don't care. Just get their freaking name and their message into what you're putting out there. And they will not do it. That's it's a part of it. But I think part of it, too, is that they don't want anybody but their own experts. Every time legislation has been introduced, my, I'm not hip to the federal level, but I assume it iterates the same way as the state level. You have the legislation sponsor who is a you know, it's always sponsored by a an elected representative or it's a committee piece. It's, it's submitted by the committee and they have their experts testify as to why it's a good idea. And then the opposition can come up and say why it's not. But they've already hand, they've already decided what their angle is. So if they're saying mental health, they've handpicked some mental health expert who's going to go and give some twisted testimony to say exactly what they need to say. They're not going to mess with somebody who's going to screw that up or derail it. And that's exactly what we would do. We would come in and say, uh, you're wrong over here because of this. And you over there is wrong because of this. Here's the the middle ground. And that throws everybody off. They're not interested in that. They, they want to keep, keep doing the same dog and pony show that's gotten them in office. That's why we don't resolve things at the federal levels. Because resolving things doesn't get you reelected. Keeping people on their heels gets you reelected. Keeping people angry gets you reelected. And to your point earlier about why do people stare at the train wreck, It's uh, there's a really good series of videos uh, online with a guy who looks a lot like me and bears a striking resemblance to myself while sounding a bunch like my voice who (laughs) talks about emotional functioning. And uh, what it is, is the limbic function in the limbic part of the brain where think about all your advertising, all your advertising and your, your headlines center on basically one of two things, fear or excitement. And those motivate you to do something. Fear motivates you to protect Excitement motivates you to go obtain or pursue or discover. So I'm excited that the new iPhone's coming out and I'm afraid my neighbor is going to get it first, right? That's, that's advertising. The advertising doesn't work when it's just, you're happy. Happiness says you're getting what you want and stay where you are. or Everything's fine. That doesn't sell anything. You're fine. You don't need to buy anything. So same thing with news headlines. They're not going to give you news headlines that are fun because why? Like I'll just turn off the channel and it tells me that I'm, I'm right where I need to be. Uh, they need to keep us paralyzed. And our politicians do the same thing with the messaging that rallies the base. Be afraid of the other side because the other side is going to get you. It's like, oh, my God, where's my checkbook? I'll donate to you. Know, it's like, yeah. Well, I had a uh, long time ago, I had a, uh, a professor um, 
in political science that was awesome. But he said, you want to know how to win an election? You tell the group of people that you're talking to why their lives are so hard and you tell them who's at fault. Yep. And that's, that's how you win an election. Curing things, fixing things, getting something actually done is not going to happen. You get close enough, just close enough to come back and say, man, give me two more years in Congress and I can get this fixed. By the way, I need $5,000 from you to get this done, but we're close. We're close guys. I just need one more term. And that's, that's, that's how it works. Unfortunately. And the, yeah. The, the accomplishments of bills also, I, I speak on this because I got like the audience can't see if you're listening. I got like nose to hand, like less than an inch away. I got this close to running for state assembly and I was like, Nope, that's going to make me barf. So I didn't, but I had all the campaign stuff and the materials and everything. But, um, the, the legislation that actually gets passed is mm. often not useful. Uh, the, the stuff that gets passed that is useful. It's like, it's so common sense. You wouldn't get elected on it anyway. It's like, well, of course you're going to do that thing that everybody wanted you to do. And of course you got unanimous consent. Right. Um, so that doesn't matter. And the stuff that fails, you blame it on the other guy and I need to go back and work harder. It's, it's so despicable and insidious. I can't even, I can't even begin to wrap my head around it. Um, other than say it's a terrible experience. Red flag laws are a great, great example of that. Right. So in Nevada in 2019, our assembly meet, or our uh, legislature meets once every two years. So in 2019, the red flag and the background check law went in together, effective January of 2020. And you know who wasn't consulted on the red flag law? Law enforcement and mental health. Zero yeah. input. What are the and guess who's the most impacted by it? Law enforcement and mental health. Guess who's the most upset by it? Law enforcement and mental health. Because we're left with, you know, with our hands in the air going like, Am I supposed to like when somebody comes in and says they're a gun owner with PTSD, uh, ideating suicide, am I supposed to call the deputies and tell them to take their shit? Or like, that seems, that seems unethical. Like we're, we're totally we're, crossways we're on it. I actually help this person get better and fix their lives. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah. All it did was, was yeah, never confuse everything. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge issue too. Um, just, I know from firsthand, like talking with Metro, is there like, <laughs> We don't want to enforce this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So now you've made a law that literally half people are already saying they're not going to enforce, which, you know, I totally get because why does a cop want to show up at a door on a bad situation and already be like, okay, I'm not going to take anything else out of your house. I'm going to take the firearms. The thing that's like in your constitution, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, you know just... what I love about that, Jake, you know what I love about that? I like I hear Emmy Betts spit it out all the time. They give you these statistics on how these red flag laws work. And I'm always like, I have a question. <laughs> like, how, how do you know? Did the person say they were going to shoot up a school after they, they admit to that after? Like, they were like, hey, I was going to do X, but thank God I got red flagged. Yeah. I, I, I really feel like they pad these statistics because no one's well, been able to answer that. Well, and then and that gets back to, you know, the, the do something, right? So we've got these yeah. laws in place in Buffalo, like that, the dude was flagged and nobody did anything because he hadn't committed an act yet. This isn't minority report and people forget that. It's like, who's, who is supposed to issue that order for the guy who doesn't yet possess firearms? And what do you, you can't, you can't arrest somebody for thought crimes yet. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, so this is a question for even the people in the chat. Like, I think we all can agree that certain people shouldn't have a firearm at a certain time. Right. There is a time. It's what is that for you? Right. And and I know we. I don't want to play like the million dollar. You have to write a red flag law game, but it would be a fun game to play because we say it as a community all the time. That person shouldn't have had those firearms. Right. We said about the Parkland kid. But what is that? It's a red flag that goes and gets those firearms. Right. Yeah. No, so like where, where, where does it, where does it start? Where does it end? Like where, if I type on social media, I'm thinking about going to do something horrific at a school. Maybe that's a time because it's like, you did it. You said it. <laughs> it's a threat. Right. But then again, I also don't, I, I totally don't believe that like your ex-girlfriend should be able to say like, he's got guns. He's crazy. Right. You know, but where, where does that kick in? Where does it kick in where we're okay with the guns being taken? That's an, I mean, seriously, that, that would be really interesting to see our side say, Hey, we're not going to sit there and submit this to our congressman or senator to, to submit it into Congress. But the experiment of what does that look like? That's fascinating. No, seriously, because I think a lot of people would be, if, if you were to sit down, not saying you, but if someone in the audience was able to do this and you were to sit down and write out the criteria in which you think it is okay, and you get 10 different people, there would be a little bit of overlap that we could probably come up with two or three scenarios that we could all agree on within our own community then it's okay. And at that point, but here's the thing at that point, do we, as a community, are we now not, you know, standing up for something that we despise very, very vocally? Are we not hypocrites? But I think that is fascinating because I, I guarantee there is enough, there, there is a probably two or three scenarios that if we're all honest with ourselves, and we write down that no one will ever see. There's probably two or three that we can all agree on. But but I think um, I think those things are already in place. That's the exactly what comes, I was to come in and the, say. Yeah. Amy Barnhorst is a psychiatrist um, and an instructor at UC Davis. She heads up the Bullet Points Project um, out of UC Davis. They're gun violence research people, and she helped author the ERPO ERPO Extreme Risk Protection Order, otherwise known as Red Flag Laws in California. And she said that the, with all good intent, the people who did it back when they did it, they were trying to plug the gap between involuntary psychiatric hold when somebody's ideating something they, that's dangerous to themselves or others that can be triggered by a clinician or whatever, or law enforcement or whatever, and threat to harm explicitly uh, expressed elsewise, not in a clinical setting. They're trying to figure out how to close that gap and it was like, well, we don't we don't have enough to commit the person because this wasn't a clinician who authorized the, the involuntary commitment. We don't have enough to arrest because there's no crime committed. But a nice intermediary might be to take yeah. the property away for a period of time until they get saved. OK, great in theory. Right. But in practice, in practice, it doesn't work like at all. But here's the thing. OK, now we have the red flag law. OK, but that only works if the person already owns the guns which didn't happen the last two cases in the last month. So now what do you do? 
Okay, but let's pretend even further. They do own the guns. They express the threat. We still have yet to settle the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment issues of property seizure and due process. Those are not settled yet. And it's all well and good that the deputies come knock on your door. This will ever get settled. I don't. I don't no. think they're honestly not because I don't think well, they don't want to. to I just don't think that there is a, a way to solve it. Honestly, no, because you you need a court of law first. And what this does is it inverts that. It says we are going to take something and then we're going to look for evidence to start the investigation. But it's, you've already inverted it. Like you acted first and that's, you know, people get all up in arms over Trump's saying, you know, it's like, take, take the weapons first, then ask questions later. It's like, that's not how the country was designed. Um, you want to run an autocracy. That might, work, that okay. might work in Spain, but not here. That's not how yeah. we work. So, so it just, it doesn't work. Um, unless we want to invert the way or, or strike some of the things that we have, you're protecting our civil liberties. It's not going to work. Um, it's all fantasy. Uh, a kid, let me just ask this question though, Jake, and, and chime in. Yeah. A kid says, I'm going to shoot up a school, or an 18 year old says, I'm going to shoot yeah. up a school. Arrest him. Arrest him. You can do that. Yeah, People right. aren't willing to, though. That's the problem. Because it's right. like all you've got is this open threat. And how long do you detain that person? If they're 17, that's even worse because it's, it's, it's juvenile issues. And there's also that triggers a whole series of stuff that involves parents who probably aren't there anyway. If it's an 18 year old or, or above age of majority comes into play. Now you're dealing with, you know, traditional adult due process. Um, yeah, you can arrest them, but then, then what, where's the resources? That's, that's what everybody's missing too. Is like red flag laws, get them the help. It's like, well, Clover and I heard he talked about how we have a provider shortage. Who's going to treat them? Who's going to pay for it? How do we know? And then we're back to the red flag law thing again of like, okay, you took their stuff. You said they were harmful. They agreed that they were harmful. They got help. Who's the one that's going to decertify them? Because right now, yeah, judges are just shoulder tapping people. Yeah. Absolutely. How do I, me, do, do I know that I'm competent? I would. I mean, I'm comfortable with this, but like how many of me are there out there to go decertify people who have been flagged, arrested? whatever otherwise quarantine how many are willing to even step in the arena to take the responsibility of the decertification zero, zero yeah. if you can't see my exactly. thing on the screen exactly. zero and here's why it's the same reason that people in my profession have abandoned ship on doing child custody evaluations we don't want to evaluate anything because we're afraid of getting sued everybody thinks we're going to get sued and there's all these lawsuits lurking around every corner and it's just simply not true because if it were our liability insurance would be much higher than it is right now and it's not it's it's pathetically low. It's like a couple hundred bucks a year for our liability insurance because we never get sued. Um, but, but we have this idea in our heads. It's like, if I evaluate an individual, then something goes wrong in the future. They're going to come back and sue me. It's like, yeah, that might happen. And your defense is I don't have a crystal ball and you need to learn the words at this juncture at the time. Yeah. Or yeah. At the, yeah. It's like, but we don't want to do that because we're scared. And oh, by the way, because of the market dynamics, <laughs> we're all fat, dumb, and happy. I don't need to go do evaluations. I could just sit back in my cubicle and treat people and do the low-level stuff that doesn't threaten to send me to court. Right. Well, I know that that um, you know Parkland, uh, the El Paso, the Midland, Odessa. What was the other one? Santa Fe here in Texas. Santa there were several. There was there was quite a few. The, the latest rash. <laughs> I haven't done this, but I contacted law enforcement high and low uh, here in Texas talking about because that was back when red flags were really starting. By the to way, Clover, off. let me interrupt real quick. 
what you just said there, contacting law enforcement high and low in Texas for whatever it is that you're about to say, that is the work. That's the work we're referring to. It's hard to do that. It's It takes time, it takes sacrifice, and it takes humility and and a lot of like panache too, to be like, I'm just going to pick up the phone and start talking to people who are in charge of law enforcement. Like, good for you. Thank you. It's, it's good to That's know people. good effort. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I appreciate it does, that. It does help. It but does help. Yes, you want to address Patriot, address Patriot first and I'll finish. Yeah, real quick. He says, good evening. Great show. And talk, make sure to send good socks, not army socks with those toe things. I don't like the socks with the toe things. They're just a little creepy for me. Just saying. Uh, but thank you for the, the super chat, Patriot. He's uh, uh, a good guy. But uh, all super chats are going to Walk Talk America tonight. So thanks for that, buddy. Appreciate it. Go ahead, Clove. So, yeah, I mean, I talked for everything from state troopers to, you know, uh, sheriff's deputies to local PD to, you know, you name it. Um, and did you talk to Walker, Texas Ranger? Because that's really I did not talk to Walker, Texas Ranger. No, that you could have talked to him. Probably NRA. He was there, I bet. Yeah, probably. But yeah, he roundhouse kick to the face. He shoots a Glock <laughs> now, so I've dismissed him. Um, wow. But. So, and, and one conversation usually led me to a contact and, you know, I, I do know some people and then it led me to contact to be able to talk to some others, but nobody ever knew the context of the conversation that we were going to have. At least that I tried to build it that way. And we talked about all of those different tragedies, things they had in common, what could have been done, what law enforcement could have done, could have done right? Either on the federal level, the, the state, the local, whatever it might be. And in each one of the scenarios, there was something that could have been done, right? Like some law ordinance, something sure gave them cause. Now, as Jake pointed out, does that entertainment for 24 hours, 48 hours a week, whatever, what's the judge going to set the bail at or the bond or whatever it might be, which is minuscule and they're back out. And there's a whole host of other things. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, all of them, everybody, and like I said, I didn't, I didn't have them in a room. This was all independent conversations. All said that there was, told me that things, and they all pretty much lined up on each one on the things I can't remember now, but the things that could have been done. And they also lined up that things should have been done in their opinion. Like, you know, if that was me, if I was there, you know, it should have been done. So it gets to what Jake was saying earlier that, and, and we already know this from, you know, and red flag laws is one of those things, right? We talk about people say we need background checks. Well, we've already got background checks. You know, we need, we need better background checks. We've already got background checks that they're not using properly, apparently. Right. Well, um, what do you so get how do we get, how do we get, why do we need better? We need better use of the background checks maybe right um well maybe. ultimately it comes down to you can't legislate what's in someone's head but it, it works the same it, way with with red flag is that Absolutely. without without violating the constitution we already have legally speaking from law enforcement we already have things on the books yep yeah they the just arrest, need to enforce those things the, so you arrest them right kid from parkland already had guns how long do you detain them? What do you do? Yeah. I, I don't know. This this is where it comes into. So the the conversations I had. Are you going to make them around, their property? So the, the conversations I had, this gets into a much broader conversation of law enforcement doing a better job at 
not being jackbooted thugs and being more like Andy Griffith, right? Each one of them said, does that person have family members? Okay, we right. arrest them. We need to reach out to their family members if they've got these you know, guns, if they've got things, you know, let the family members know, you know, Hey, this is going on. We're concerned, you know, whatever the case may be. And I was even told stories that happened in each of these, each of not every one of the, the law enforcement officers that I talked to, but some of them, especially local, the local cops, uh, police chiefs, I should say, told me that, you know, there was times when they would get, you know, like a wellness check thing, and they would go over there, and the guy had guns, and he had knives, and he had stuff, and he was whacked out of his gourd, you know, and, you know, they just sat out on the porch and talked to the guy, and other guys, you know, went just, you know, walked out to the car, and he made a phone call and called some family members and said, hey, Joe's over here, yeah. hey, uh, you know, and then the family members showed up, and then they talked him into going and getting help and getting treatment, right? And so they didn't arrest anybody. They didn't kick and knock down doors at three o'clock in the morning. And they, you know, they handled it in a, in a community style way. Right. Like yeah. treating somebody that's like they're treating like somebody like they're a human, not like you're a convicted, you know, felon or whatever, before you've even been tried in a court of law. That, that's how it should be done. Chris, you're right. And, and I, another humble brag, I, I trained cops for several years. Um, that's what, that's exactly what we're trained, teaching them to do to when we, when they encounter mentally ill subjects to validate, listen, explore options, not, um, you know, jump straight to, you know, super cop mode and tackling people. Right. And, um, that's where a lot of the competence training has to come in with regard to mentally ill subjects with firearms. Um, you know, do, do we just seize the property? Well, I didn't solve the dude's problem. That's not helping advance right. you know, humanity. Um, so you're right. That's a well, completely got, reasonable way to go. You've also got the problem. I'm lucky enough to live in Texas. They could call a family member. Family member takes all mm -hmm. the guns out of the house. Done deal. Right. Um, there are states where you can't do that. Can't do well, and there's people like the dude in Uvalde who didn't have uh, family members. I mean, that, that's a, just a different situation altogether. And it's, it's almost there's one of those. There's going to be a lot more information that comes out about this that people don't quite. It's it's not cut and dry, black and white, what happens in this, these situations. It's not mm -hmm. just like you said. There's a lot of stuff going on. And there's going to be a lot more so that comes out six months from now, probably, you know. Yeah, and you got to remember too what's going through the supervisor's heads too—the sergeant or the lieutenant on scene who's making the call to sit with the guy and talk to him, or red flag him. Right? Their their political proclivities, their appetite for uh, lit, uh, litigation one way or another. If they sit with the guy, talk with him, family members come over. Um, you know, and again, I come from a family full of cops. I've been around it my whole life. Then uh, he gets his treatment, or maybe he doesn't because twenty-four hours later he's he gets a good, some good sleep and is like, no, I'm good now. Um, doesn't qualify hospital, doesn't matter any number of things. And then two days later, he does his heinous deed, whether it's, you know, self-inflicted or other inflict upon others. And it's, and it comes back, goes, why did you do what you did? And it works the other way too. Uh, let's take his guns and lock him in the hospital for three days. And then the dude comes out and he goes, you violated my rights. Like you, so which ledge do you want to stand on is what it comes down to. And I, I do this with my clinicians when I train them, the students and the interns. I say, you're always going to be standing on a ledge. Make sure you yeah. can articulate why you're standing on it. Just pick one, but make sure you can articulate it. That That's your defense in court. You say, I did it because of the, these okay. reasons and here's my intentionality. 
people just aren't comfortable like doing that. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. And that's not just in court, but in life in general. Whatever you choose to stand for in life, stand for it. The best thing you can, best that you can do to stand for whatever it is that you're passionate about. Um, know why you do what you do. It's acting exactly. with a spirit of intentionality. Know why you do what you do. It puts you in charge of your decision making. If you can reasonably predict what the outcome will be when you make the decision, then there's no question about why you did it. And you can answer when people ask, why'd you do it? Well, because of these reasons and this was the foreseeable conclusion. All right. Well, I had new information afterward, after I decided but, I didn't get that before. At the time, mm-hmm. once again, we come back to those words. At this juncture, at that, at this time, you have to go with what you have um, knowledge with. And there's, um, and yeah, there's, there's another factor too. Wes is bringing up out there. You know, we get, yeah. we get hit over the head with quote unquote gun violence, right, or whatever. And yep. they often link the rise in overall crime to, you know, gun, just what they consider gun violence, right? right? Um, and what Wes is bringing up is that a lot of the DAs um, yep. who are elected officials and have political affiliations and a lot of other things. And there's a lot of DAs that just are not yeah. are not pursuing cases that they should pursue. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, and some of that staffing issues, some of it's pure staffing and just like sure. we don't have the bandwidth, you know, sure. some of it's political, but sometimes like we're not going to take that on because we know what resources it would gobble up and we just can't afford that right now. Yep. Well, a lot of times it's also it's it's much easier to talk about mental health than it is to do something about mental health. Well, yeah, I mean, geez, yeah. it, like. The level of ignorance that I see, and it's, it's, that's not a condescension. That's just this is an observation. The level of ignorance I see about what mental health practitioners can do and what they're allowed to do and what they um, are even desiring to do is almost identical with the same rhetoric that gets spilled about the gun community. It's like, we just need to blah, blah, blah with the ARs. It's like, you, yeah, but do you know what you're talking about? You clearly don't because you can't. What are you going to do it by design? If you do it by design, we have to go down to something quantifiable like action. You know, mm-hmm. is it the semi-auto part or is it the shooty projectile part or is it the length of case part? Like which part is it that you're going to go after? Because that has a ripple effect across a whole bunch of other weapons that you didn't understand to even fall in the same right. family. Um, right. And same thing with mental health. It's like, oh, mental health, get the get a more treatment. It's like, you realize that takes bodies, right? Bodies that have to go to school and get credentialed and licensed and regulated. And, like, and oh, by the way, yeah, the pay so, isn't great. So in, in six years, great idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. By the <laughs> way, the, the next election cycle is in two. Yeah. And I think I think what's been proven in the last whatever it is, hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, is that this, you know, we started out talking about mental health. And we went down many, many roads that have nothing to do with mental health. And so what that says is is, this is a very difficult conversation. It's very complex. There's a lot of moving parts. And at the end of the day, it's, it's all hands on deck. And I think what you just touched on, Clover, is one of the big reasons why it isn't started as a conversation is because it's a difficult one to have. It is multi-layered. It is something that you're going to have to face some harsh realities to no matter what side of the fence you're on. 
Um, well, it's most a difficult conversation glory. to have, and they don't want that. They let's don't want be honest. Have let's be honest. Most people want the glory. If if Jake and, sure. and Mike, and I know neither one of them care if they get the credit or the glory. If all they cared about was the credit or glory, we wouldn't have mentioned law enforcement. We wouldn't have talked about, probably wouldn't have talked about red flags or legislation, or we probably wouldn't have gone down any of those roads. It, it they wouldn't have, have gone had, two hours. They would have had, they would have had all the solutions and all the solutions is go donate to WTTA, which you need to go do that, by the way, if you're out there. Absolutely. But <laughs> that would be the only gonna, thing we talked about. The, uh, I'm going to go ahead and put the, I want to ask what Patriots yeah. asking here. Yeah, I was I'm not sure what that. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 go for it. But, uh, but I don't know what the question for the, pod, for the podcast side. Let me go ahead and, and read the question. Um, let's see here. Find it back here. How would you go about asking someone you're confronting who's in their family if it's in a large, more urban area? And I don't think that this has anything to do with an urban versus rural. This is the this is one of the questions I was going to ask Jay to kind of end off is, and, and I'll use this to 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 do this for the average person out there that wants to be part of of helping. What are some of the ways that we can help? And a lot of this is I'm going to is. How can we identify? How can we confront someone? I mentioned earlier, if you notice a loved one's personality changing, confront them. But the question is, how do you do that? Because once again, we don't, you know, we don't know what kind of frame of mind, but that's a great question. How do you confront someone like that? I, I didn't know what the question, now I get it. Okay. So uh, I've done this before and, in it's a little weird because I, I wear the therapist hat professionally and you're not supposed to treat your family or friends, but then it's like, what am I supposed to do with my skill set? Just set it aside and pretend it doesn't exist. So um, right. I just kind of, that, that's my own thing, but anybody can do this. Rapport matters a great deal. If you, if you don't have great rapport with the person, it's going to go over poorly, but um, just go, Hey man, um, I've noticed a, a change in you recently. And so re remember now, you can anticipate again intentionality, right? You can anticipate your heart in your throat. Your stomach's gonna be full of butterflies because you're gonna be talking about something very vulnerable and very intimate, and that is the person's psychological well-being. But here's how you insulate yourself: you stick to observations. You don't try to reach for conclusions. So you say, "I've just noticed that you're not responding to texts like you used to." Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And you go, or you say. Hey, uh, the last couple of times we picked our kids up from school, you seem a little distracted. Everything okay? And maybe you just stop with distracted and you don't ask everything okay because that leads them to, yeah, 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 fine, 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 man. But if you have good rapport and you present that confrontation out of love and compassion and concern, like not because you want to like beat them about the head and shoulders with it, you say, hey, looks like you've been a little distracted lately. Care to talk about that? And then it opened, uh, li listen, in my experience, people just want to be asked. Up? Right. Yeah. yeah just, they just uh, need the invitation. Absolutely. And then it's like, oh, man. Yeah, dude, it's just uh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that, you know, wife's out of town and the daughter's sick and, you know, whatever it is. Like, I've just got a lot on my head and trying to trying to fix the place up or whatever. You know, it's like, OK, cool. We're square. That's a temporary thing. But if the if the we call it affect, which is how you wear your emotion on your face, if the affect changes to something like, yeah, man, um, I don't know, it's a lot. And they can't immediately just dismiss it with some reasonable explanation that may be cause for a follow-up where you go, Hey, 
I don't want to solve your problems and I don't know that I can anyway, but I'm here if you need me. Just let me know. And sometimes just saying, I'm going to sit with you and your crap is enough yep. for the person to go, you know what? Maybe life's not so bad. And then it's, and then everything unlocks. Sometimes they take you up on the invitation. They go, yeah, actually I do. We need to go have a beer. Uh, you free Saturday. And by God, you better clear your calendar <laughs> yeah. and and then just shut up and listen. Um, but it's, it's really hard. There's a little skill set that goes along with that. As far as if you want to learn more about how to have an effective conversation where you're not like problem solving, uh, and yeah. you learn how to sit and validate that can all be learned through reading a book called walking through anger by one of my friends and mentor, Christian Conti, who was on our podcast too. We have a guns and mental health podcast. If you want to listen to him, but it's called walking through anger. It's a great way to improve your own communication skills. Very little to do with anger actually, but more to do with, um, what he calls yield theory, meeting people where they are. Uh, it's about 18 bucks on Amazon. Super easy read. Anybody can read it. It's great. So um, I read wait. that question a little different. Well, he clarified. He clarified it here. And he was saying he was referring to officer in Clover's Mayberry situation. If it was in a city where they don't know the person directly. And that's another great one. So here's an approach I'll use. And and I use this. I don't know that I've ever used it that I've seen anybody. And I thought it was any kind of mental distress. But it's somebody maybe I was having a conversation with. And I didn't really know them. Um, And I want to go. We got the days of Google Foo and Facebook, right? And I'll go like, um, who's your mom? Or like, who's your dad? A lot of who's time. your daddy? Yeah. Who's I, your I don't, daddy? I don't, I don't say I that. Know. But you get what I'm saying, right? I'll ask about I'll ask about a parent or like a parent or a grandparent or something, right? And then from there, I mean, sometimes it'll click and you're like, oh, okay, I I yeah, I know who that is. And sometimes I'll just I'll fib it and I'm like, Man, that just that, that sounds familiar. You know, I'll go off their last name or I'll go off something like that, right? And I'm like, it sounds familiar. Who's your, you know, who's your dad? Who's your, you know, who's your mom? Man, I don't know. That sounds awful familiar, right? And it's just in passing, right? And then, you know, later on, kind of, kind of figure it out or, or put two and two together, and it all makes sense. So, I mean, if you're talking about something that you see some weird action on somebody, and you know, you're you're just talking with them, I would suggest maybe that approach, and then you could maybe well, if, if it's somebody you know and you can find a connection to the family you can say yeah, or hey, just say or, or it doesn't have to be family you just say hey who can i hook you up with who's going to be a little more familiar and can yeah. can walk you through some options after we're done talking so you've already set yeah. the tone that yeah. you're going to be done talking at some point and you're not there to help them forever not, um, yeah crisis workers do that a lot i think a lot of it comes down to especially with someone you don't know um it, it's funny because our community is very prideful on situational awareness. Everyone talks about situational awareness. Um, and I think that's a great thing, but a lot of people just talk the talk. Um, being situational, situationally aware comes into play in so many different levels. I don't care if you know a person or not. You can see when people are just having a really bad day. They don't, they, their, their shoulders are dropped. They're looking down. They want to avoid any eye contact. They want to avoid any social contact whatsoever. They're sitting off by themselves and uh, don't even want to be included in a group of any. There, there's different things that you can identify, whether you know someone or not, that is at least saying, that guy's struggling with something. And it might be his girlfriend broke up with him. 
that morning where he just got fired. But there are there are signs, you know, and I'm not a clinician, although I went, I did state the Holiday Inn Express once. Um, but there there are um, there are signs, and um, I, I think it comes down to just being a better human being and get out of your own space for a little bit and understand that just observe you want to talk about being situation aware that's not just for threats and when you can draw your gun that's being situation aware is dude that dude looks like he's having a rough day and you know what sometimes the greatest thing that could happen to someone is saying hello with a smile on your face how there are people that literally won't have communication with a human being for weeks, months at a time, and sometimes a simple "Hey, man, how you doing?" or maybe is maybe all it takes, and maybe follow it up with a mean, just menial conversation. Yeah, hey man, did you see that game last night? I mean, who, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. a, a simple human interaction wouldn't work for me because I, I didn't see is, the game last night. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, but I hear you. Ghost, what you're talking about is exactly what Kevin Hines says, right? Everybody, I mean, most people know the Kevin Hines story. If you don't look it up, it's pretty fascinating. But there's a point where he was talking about, because he jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, and he said he had made a decision that he was going to jump unless somebody asked, are you okay? Like yeah. in his head, he was like, if somebody says, how, are you okay, man? You know, how are you doing? And he, he was like, it didn't happen. And he's like, as a matter of fact, he's like, I was out of it. And people were like, dude, are you getting off the bus? <laughs> like the, the bus driver said that. Yeah, to oh, him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know that always stuck with me. Cause I was like, damn, like that was real simple. The way he put it, like, don't underestimate like, Hey man, you good. <laughs> like you have yeah. a good day. Like, you know, just a simple, like someone actually taking a vested interest in asking you're good. A a common stranger that you don't know from Adam. Hey, man, how you doing? Everything okay with you? Hey, have a good day. Whatever it is. I mean, that that, that is something um, talking to people, and I'm not putting out there because Jay can correct me if I'm wrong, but my experiences in talking to people a lot is they feel like they're alone. Whether or not they put themselves in that position or not is irrelevant at that point. Mentally, they feel like no one is there. They're they're fighting this darkness by themselves. And the light switch is literally, hello. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? It's as simple as that. That's the crazy thing about it is until you've been in that darkness most people don't understand. And there's a great antidote that I, I've, I've loved forever. Guy's down a hole and he's yelling up, you know, hey, guys, I'm stuck down this hole. You know, send me a ladder, you know, get some help. And a guy jumps in the hole. He's like, what the hell are you doing? Now we're both stuck down here. He goes, yeah, but I've been here before and I know the way out. Yeah. Until you've been in that darkness. You don't know what it's like. And sometimes that light switch is a very simple light switch to get to. A text message. Hey, just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. It's been a while since I have talked. a I have a list of people of about uh, 13 or 14 people, most of which I have met through the internet, which is ironic through this, um, that I have talked to on the phone or through email that have expressed down times. And every month I send 
a text message to every single one and say, hey, bro, just checking in. How's everything going? Mm -hmm. Great, man. How about you? Hey, I'm great, man. Let me know if you need anything. I'm always here. And it's one of those things where I'm not, I don't want, I think more people can do that. As simple as that is, like you said, a, a text message, an email. You don't even have to do, like you said, if being face-to-face, -face, having a conversation is not your gig, yeah. Yeah. Email, text message, whatever it is. It's crazy. Um, so I'm going to start out this, uh, it's been two hours. Jake, we kind of started this a little bit, but just in generalities, if someone knows a clinician, knows a therapist, knows even um, an MD, whatever it is, but someone that wants, even if they don't know one, but if they want to help push it forward on the clinical, on the medical side of this, are there things that they can do uh, to point, they, they might know, like my, my doctor, my family doctor is most of the time when I go in there, half our conversations guns. Is there something that I can do and say, Hey, if you're interested about being a pro gun doctor, have you ever thought about doing this? I don't know. Is there, is there something out there like that? I think that's a great way to do it. And I would encourage them to take our class. Uh, we have, so we have three part course. Two parts are available for free on the website. They're three hours a piece. They're usually good for continuing education credits wherever you are. Um, and even if not, it's just cool because you learn what we're about and you learn our lingo and you learn that we're about changing vocabulary away from like safe storage to responsible storage and what that means. And like you get the, the drift, right? Invite your doc or your clinic, whoever it is, um, could be your neighbor who just happens to work as a dentist or whatever. Um, invite them to take that training and then, uh, they'll get a certificate out of that that they can put somewhere and we'll give them a digital badge if they want to put it on their email. They, all love, it. they all love putting stuff on walls, don't they? Walk the, yeah. <laughs> and it'll say, you know, uh, walk the talk America level one certificate or whatever. And then enough, if nothing else, it's a conversation starter for somebody who's staring at the wall and being like, what's that about? Uh, I can say, Oh, it's this guns and mental health organization that, you know, I support. That's all we really need is like just sign yeah. on and and say that you're a part of it. And then we can start to build our database, which would be really cool. Um, and I think uh, it'll snowball from there. Uh, and they can, you know, they can get wristbands and have them on the counter at their practice. Uh, they can get our um, Guns and Mental Health podcast stickers and throw them out there because it says guns. And, it's a big giant Guns and Mental Health WTTA podcast. It's like people look at it, what is this? Um, flyers. You know, they can have flyers that say mental health. It's OK to talk about it. Uh, with, you know, it says as firearms owners, we are often, you know, hesitant to seek care or whatever, but we need to, it's, they can have the passive invitation sitting on their desk or their, uh, the reception area. So yeah, that's what I would invite people to do. If you know, these folks specifically ask them, Hey, I know this great organization. I mean, we are a great organization. Um, I know this great organization called walk the talk America. Uh, they do guns and mental health. Uh, but it's not just for mental health. It's for anybody who's practicing in the profession of medicine. Like, would you be interested in doing this? And at, at bare minimum, just give them the website and be like, hey, or check it out. There's lots of resources and you could take their course or get their wristbands or whatever. They give free and anonymous mental health screenings. Who doesn't like free and anonymous? So yeah, just start the conversation. I invite everybody to listen. And if you want to do that, just be bold. Like as bold as we were talking about checking in on your friends, make the purposeful invitation to ask your colleagues your counterparts your friends and family to check us out and be a part of it 
Yeah, G23 says, does WTTA have swag that people can buy? Because, um, because we're a 501c3, we have swag that we could give away with a donation. Correct. And if you want one, I've got, I don't know how many of these bad boys I have that I'm more than welcome to send to anybody that wants one. Um, I'll tell you the cool thing uh, that we've started doing and uh this was a, a pinkest thing too that i picked up on i've been doing a lot lately I, I carry a bunch of these in my truck and it's not to give them away it's to give this one away so when so i'll see like all over reno there's people who wear you know nine line gear and you know veteran stuff and i'll, I'll just if we're at the pump this happens at the pump at costco for whatever reason all the time and i'll see somebody's window stickers and be like hey um See your stickers. Um, I'm part of a guns and mental health organization. I'm a firearms owning practitioner and I, we're a suicide prevention. I'll take the wristband off and be like, we're suicide prevention at our core, but I think you'd enjoy checking it out. Here you go. Take my wristband. Uh, it leads to a free and anonymous mental health screening. And they're like, oh my God, really? Yeah, man. We're totally 2A, no restrictions. We just want to join the two cultures. And they're like, thanks. This means a lot. Every single time I've done it. I don't know. I've done it in the airport. I've done it in the middle of the grocery store, uh, out wherever, like I've probably done it 10 or 12 times now. And it's the most rewarding feeling ever because the wristband is like, wow, you gave me the wristband off your arm. That's so cool. And then they go check out the website and who knows what happens from there, but at least I made a connection and it's like a little spark of hope. And you know, damn well that if they're a veteran and they have veteran shit all over their car, they have experienced death with a firearm because that's just the way it goes. So um, it means something. It really does. I don't want anyone to ever let Rob know that I said this because <laughs> God knows he needs a bigger head, but that's a phenomenal idea. Yeah. He, he's, he was just saying it off. I like, I, I was like, where I was, <laughs> I was breaking his balls over. It. I was like, where's your wristband? He's like, oh, I gave it to somebody on the plane. I was like, what? That's brilliant. You can always get another wristband. Of course, give it away. How, stupid so yeah yeah phenomenal idea um, i carry extras in my pocket just so i can't give them away just saying next to the gummy worms that are all nice and warm oh man that's me he's a jelly bean guy i'm a gummy bear guy um good lord yeah He's one of those weird ones that goes and gets like five pounds of jelly beans of like assorted oh, flavors. Oh, God, all the gourmet. Like, yeah, some of that shit is nasty. Man. Three pounds. I only got Harry three Potter. pounds for SHOT Show. Oh, buttered popcorn? Oh. No, no, buttered? I said the Harry Potter ones. The, oh, uh, yeah. I, don't know those. Yeah, I, those. Those. I, have, I will sure. not ever open them, but I do have some of those. Yeah, they're they're, they're I'm a Harry Potter nerd. I'm a very Harry Potter nerd. But yeah, he said he only got three pounds of jelly beans for SHOT Show. Only, and I actually gave. I probably One had about day. a. We got back to Amarillo, and I had like a pound of them left. Stop and trying a, to validate your your stuff. Don't so, validate so, your. Stuff. No, listen. So I had like a pound of them left, right? And it was this homeless guy when we stopped to get gas. And I'm like, <laughs> once I got, once I, well, once like, I get home, here, man, man enjoy home, your diabetes. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't all. I, that wasn't all. I know I you gave. probably need protein and bread, but, but um, here's some straight sugar. Here's straight sugar. I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, hey, dude, this is gonna sound really weird. That's not all. I get. Coke. I'm Have like, fun. This, this ain't. This gonna sound really weird. I said, but I got like a shit ton of jelly beans here. I said, and when I get home, I'm not gonna be able to eat them. I'm like, I'm just gonna have to throw them away anyway. I didn't want him like to freak him out or nothing. I'm like, and he's like, 
Hell yeah. Yeah, because like, it's not like, weird. Okay. Some dude walking and giving you a pound of jelly beans. That's a not weird at all. And he says, oh, I was going to throw it away. So the best I was thing throw I can do away, is so here. my trash. Well, yeah. you know, I told him why. I told him I couldn't eat them once I got Dude, no matter what you try to do, you're, this Very is not going to end well for you. He took them and he was eating them. He said they were awesome. And I agreed with him because I ate two pounds of them. They were awesome. He said I ate two pounds. Do you know how many two pounds of jelly beans? What does that even look like? I shared I shared a bunch in the media room. It's it one of those like, jars where I'm, you I'm, guess the number. My stomach up. It looks like that. <laughs> we have derailed. Oh my god! I'm sorry. That was so funny. Hats and shirts. Yeah, we yeah. should get some hats. Hats and shirts. No, I've I've got a shirt. Um, I, I, I didn't even think about putting it on tonight. Our shirt, our shirt gets a lot your of shirts like, are badass. Oh, yeah, yeah, people are always like, I love your shirt. <laughs> And yeah, that's why I get to get my wristbands away. People see the shirt. You mean you're not going to give take the shirt off your back and give it to them? <laughs> I don't have another one. Mike's been stingy. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. That's wow. why I get stingy with the shirts. That's what... <laughs> wow. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't uh, put I'm enough time. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. I could go down to a whole other. Never mind. Never mind. Um, all right. <clears throat> Mike. For those at the local and ground level, and I know there are people out there that are um, putting the, your flyers in their local gun shops and stuff like that, but for people that at the local level that may not have the money to donate and support Walk the Talk America directly, there are a lot of things they could do to help support the cause and Walk the Talk America for those that are out there that might be wanting to jump in this game, what are some of the ways that they can help support you and, and Jake and all the other, other guys working on it? Well, I, there's numerous ways. <laughs> so we, and we list them on the website when you go there. Actually, when you go to the donation page, like we, we list the other ways you can help. Um, talk about it. You know, once again, anytime you could share a post or anything like that, there's little billboards going out there into social media land, you know, um, mm -hmm. stay on top of your favorite gun companies and things like that. Uh, you know, send them messages. Maybe it, it will help, you know, just, Hey, you should get behind this organization. I think that's a big one. Um, you know, however, if you have an idea, come, come at it yeah. to us, right? Like we're open ears when it comes to that. Um, you know, for me, it's like sometimes people come up with creative ways or, you know, it's kind of like, like you Clover, like you've come up with ways, you know what I mean? Like, or you're just like, Hey, can I do this? I'm going to make a sweatshirt or whatever. Um, you know, those, anytime you spread the word, I think that'll help, you know, don't be afraid to bring us up in anything when you're on Twitter battling. <laughs> yeah. Clover just made a great point. Um, hound, hound the crap out of the big two, a channels. Um, you know, we, we, I don't know if you touched on it earlier, but <laughs> politely hound politely. We, we yeah, uh, we. I mean, we had a what we thought was a pretty good post. Uh, some some endeavor we did showed up at San Jose State um, at an event that was basically an anti-gun event, but we were super well received, and it was it was again more trying to bridge the culture, and we got scorched by one account on social media, and 
um, it was amazing how many people came into the chat to our defense. And that was really cool to see. That's like, we're always going to have those outliers who are like, eh, it's mental health. It's Trojan horse for stealing your guns. Like, have you looked at the board of directors? Like <laughs> pretty hard to argue. Those guys were anti two a, but, but don't be afraid of that is what I'm saying. Like, don't be afraid of the naysayers who are just going to dig their heels in and they're not going to, they're not interested. Right. We're not, we're not really interested in talking to them if they're going to be the David hog of the two a community. Like that didn't help anybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to go through this. I put the link out there, but uh, ways to help besides a financial donation. Um, Individuals, um, if you're able, if you know someone is able to donate to professional services, there's a way to get in touch. Uh, You can create a, and I've done this several times. I think a lot of people have, create a Facebook fundraiser. Uh, You know, when your birthday comes up, do a fundraiser. You might raise $50. You might raise $5,000. I guarantee that $50 helps. Um, $5 helps, whatever. Um, but yes, then you can go and, um, whoops, let me go back over here and um, create an Instagram or Twitter, whatever. Firearm store owners. I print these out, of, I don't know, three or four times a year. I'll take uh, about 150, 200 flyers, take them to local gun shops, and just and, and I have it then where he's not gonna. Clover's doing it; he's got them putting it in boxes. I haven't talked him into doing that, but what I have talked him into is putting them the flyers on their counter by their cash register, uh, so everyone that comes into a couple of different shops around here sees that flyer. Um, you can donate by printing those out and taking them to your local gun shop. Um, and like this says, put that or have them put in a bag or whatever. Clover has been able to get them in boxes. Um, if there I is don't a box, that, yeah. If there is a box, yeah. Um, but at least take them, take them to the bulletin board at work, uh, wherever you are. Um, and another one is firearm manufacturers or accessory companies. Add the WTTA mental health flyer to your box or packaging. I would even say. You even had to do that. Just adding the link to your website could be huge. So mm-hmm. when I when I talked about um when I talked about hounding the big two A, you know, channels and stuff, um, same thing goes for the the fireman accessory people that you deal with. Most of the time you've got a comment section when you make a purchase and all of that stuff. And just put in there, I'd like to see you support WTTA or Walk right. Talk America. I'd spell it out, you know, or something, right? If you know people that work for it, maybe say, you know, for those companies, maybe, maybe say something to them. Um, mm. You know, who knows? I mean, one or two here and there, it makes a difference. And there's a zillion ammo companies shipping a zillion bullets every day with, um, you know, cardboard boxes that they throw stuff into that advertise other brands that they sell at their, you know, their company. It'd be cool just to throw our logo on one of those flyers or our flyer itself into that box. Um, that's that'd be neat. You know, if I open up something from, you know, th- some place I got on ammo seek uh, th- that just came in my mail. I'm like, oh, cool. Free anonymous mental health screening. That's different. Yep. Um, so real quick, Clover, uh, any last minute comments before we let Jake and Mike um, kind of give their where they're going to be, where they are, where they can be contacted. All that. I want to let you have Comment. a few minutes to talk about anything that you have to bring up that you wanted to bring up throughout the show. Um, no, I think we I think we covered it. I mean, 
obviously not A to Z. There's so much to cover, but we covered a lot well, of it. You're so. never going to carry it, cover it all. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm good. Okay. Uh, Jake, what I want to do is give you a few minutes first to uh, tell people where they can find you, anything, that, any projects you personally, whether it's with Zephyr or with WTTA or whatever it is that you have going on that you might want people to be aware of or projects and all that. Um, while you're doing that, um, I'm going to be putting out links and all that as well. But yeah, Jake, I want to give you a few minutes to talk about anything you've got going on. You want to get out to the public. Um, you know, really it's, it's this, um, I'm going to drop in here the, uh, book link for walking through anger. Cause I think it's an amazing book. Um, watch, watch my emotional functioning videos. Uh, I, I sit there and teach there's, there's, so there's 10 core emotions. There's nine videos cause one's an intro and then two of the videos I do two emotions at a time, but I think it's just a great way to learn how your brain works and you can share that. It's totally age appropriate, family friendly, like sit down and watch it with your kids, your spouse. Um, It'll improve your communication. I guarantee it. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter at Jake Wisk, J-A-K-E-W-I-S-K. Um, it's just me. There's no, I mean, it's actually right now it's our mental health pod, our guns, mental health podcast avatar. Um, but I'm Jake Wiskirchen. Uh G23, I saw you want to get me on a podcast. I don't know who you are. Or do I know who you are? And I just didn't know it, but um, you can reach me. Jake, it's he's up, he's up in, um, he's a good dude. He's up in, um, the Pacific Northwest region of the country and does a, a pretty good podcast on, um, well, he does a, his big one on the weekends. I'm sure he can fit your schedule, whatever you want. And yeah. if you need to, I can introduce you to him if you'd like. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Connect us over email. I mean, I'm accessible. I mean, my work email is Jake at Zephyr wellness.org. If people want to reach out, I'm, you know, I don't hide that or anything. So people contact you through Instagram or Twitter through DMS. Is, is that through, something you, yeah, through consider? Twitter, my, in my Instagram's, private i'm not really on there much anymore these days it's just uh, yeah. gotten too too busy but um twitter for sure and you know just disclaimer i'm not gonna not gonna treat you because <laughs> my bandwidth <laughs> is limited but, but but i will i will absolutely help direct you to resources and stuff like that um right. i don't mind you know if somebody's really super curious about um getting in the mix i i'll take a zoom with anybody to you know help help them with whatever they they want to you know figure out um, I'm totally, totally accessible. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much and it. Oh, podcast so, I put out there as well. Go, go check yeah. that out. It is, it's a, it's a good one. So if ahead, my, so if my mental health problem, um, if the goal he can't is fix to you. treat he cannot my fix mental you. health problem is for Jake to treat me, then how do I get to that goal? If Jake can ever treat me, he can't, I, he can't help you. Yeah, it's um, it's it's you know I wasn't gonna bring this up, but it's the accent, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I just I can't get past it. Really? Sorry. He has a height requirement as well. Neither one of us. Neither one of us passed that. Neither one of us passed that height requirement. Get to see the it world is, from a whole different perspective, man. You have you guys have no idea what, what benefits out here to like. Ain't walk no, under a gate and there ain't no smog or you know anything mm. down here it's beautiful <laughs> and you know hot air rises so it's always nice and crisp and cool down here it's beautiful <laughs> grass smells better at our at our level you know yeah yeah things. yeah as long as you keep it cut because it gets tough trying to walk through it if you don't keep it cut there's nothing better than the first among Oh, I know. Especially when it, especially when it rains on it just a little bit afterwards. Yeah. These oh, guys wouldn't hot. know that because they, by the time that that scent gets up that high, you know, and they have they see different weather than we do. They have to wear oxygen masks at that altitude. I mean, we don't have to worry about any of that stuff. 
Yeah. I'm telling you, we get we get to repel out of our vehicles. I mean, how much more fun do we have in life? <laughs> you know, let's just be honest. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right. Um, Mike, I want to bring you in. And then while you're doing this, I'll be putting links out there as well. Anything, last comments, anything that you want to bring up, what you guys have been doing lately, what you have any plans on doing, any uh, events coming up or whatever, anything that you need to get out to the public, uh, go for it, and, and uh, I'll be putting your links out while we're doing this. No, there's really nothing. I mean, it's the same old thing that I've been doing the last four years. Um, trying to think of any public events that are coming up that we're going to be at. Now we just hit the NRA show, so um, you know, now it's going to be back to doing the actual work. <laughs> you know, I'm going to chase these guys down a little bit. And then, uh, like, like I said earlier, our, our mission doesn't ever end because we, you know, once everything dies down, we still deal with 67 people a day taking their life with a firearm. So, so we're like in it, you know? Um, but yeah, just, I wanted to thank both of you, uh, for having us on and, and just our friendship and just the support, you know, when I, when I act out and I, I talk about the industry doesn't care. I'm not talking about you two. <laughs> you guys, oh, no. you know, you guys have always been there for us. And and from day one, I mean, geez, both of you had me on the show when Walk to Talk America wasn't even was more of a concept. You know what Ghost, I mean? Ghost made his own sweatshirt before we even had clothing <laughs> for ourselves. Right. Yeah. But um, you know, yeah. so I just can't thank you enough. I can't and, fit it anymore, but uh, that's a whole another issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a laundry list of people to you know that some of them were in the chat tonight that have just been so supportive so i really appreciate that so i don't want you anyone to hear that you know i'm saying that we don't get love um when we do um but you know go to wtta.org walktalkamerica.org social media is at walk the talk us and that's across facebook uh, twitter and instagram um i'm on there too it's at michael's underscore Sedini. Uh, if you have any questions or you know, anything like that, you know, just, uh, just reach out. I mean, we're, we're very responsive. I think we're, I think that's one of the cool things about yeah. guys like Jake and other people that are involved in the organization, whether just from being, you know, someone who's really supporting it is like, we all, we always respond. We always talk to you. Um, yeah. we even hear your stories. You know what I mean? Like we get people all the time that are just like, Hey, this is an issue here. And, we need to hear when there's issues, especially like in certain states, so we can we can address those things. So, you know, feel free to reach out. Yeah, there has over the years, last four years, there have been some amazing stories that have come through the website or to you directly. Um, I know there are people that even at Shot Show and in NRAM. Um, that will find you to tell you a story about something that happened to them or a friend or someone they knew. Um, some of the stories people wouldn't believe. Uh, they, they wouldn't believe them if they heard. They would think that there's no way that's a real thing, and um, they are. And we had you had a, a, a gentleman. I'm not going to bring it up, uh, but in Colorado that a few years back that you wouldn't believe it if you were told the story. Right. You, just, what, you would not believe the craziness of the story. And you're like, people don't realize that because you're comfortable and you're safe in your life and your environment, um, 
the worst case scenario of people breaking down mentally happens and it's real and it could be someone that you know or someone that you love or someone that someone you love knows um it's real so be on the lookout as i tell this all the time just be a good person be on the lookout and helping people uh listen to people um it's 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 really not that hard to be a good person maybe i don't know maybe it is for some people but just be a good person. And, and if you see someone struggling, literally the easiest thing that could save someone's life is saying hello to them. Um, and it, it's as simple as that. Jake, Mike, as always, it's always awesome to have you on. Thank you so much for coming. Clover, uh, thanks for showing up, I guess. Uh, it means a great deal to me that you showed up. Uh, no. <laughs> no uh, Clover, I love Clover. Uh, but no, he, he, he he's awesome. But uh, yeah, Jake and Mike, you are awesome. You are awesome. But, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys for what you're doing. No doubt. I appreciate the fight that you continue to fight for literally um, no recognition. Um, And if you think that a 501c is a profitable uh, uh, engagement into life, uh, think again. They do only this if only if you're the Red Cross or Susan G. Coleman, I think. I think United Way makes a little bit of well, money. That's true too. Yeah. yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, <laughs> March for our lives. There's there's a few of them that make quite a bit of money, but um, yeah, if you're able to support Walk the Talk American anyway, whether I mean, obviously financially, um, that would be wonderful. More importantly, if you if just help them out. Uh, visit their website. There are a lot of resources on the website that you could share. Um, What's that? Duncan Duncan just made an appearance. Duncan Fife. Yeah. Uh, Man, it's been a while since I've seen Duncan. Um, Yeah. But uh, what's that? Thanks, yo. Yeah. But um, yeah, thank you so much for all you guys are doing. And thank you everyone out there that donated tonight. I will make sure that Mike gets those funds. Um, more importantly, like I said, just be out there, be aware, and understand that just because you're having a great day doesn't mean that everyone is. And uh, don't judge people for it. And this is something that I learned a long time ago. And I don't, I don't remember who it was that told me, um, but it's something I'll always keep. With don't ever judge someone on their off their worst day. Don't ever judge someone off their worst day because you don't know what day that is for them. You know, if you see someone is having a bad day, don't judge because you could be in that same hole tomorrow and you don't want people judging you. So be a good person. Uh, listen, listen to people, have a conversation, say hello. More importantly, just be a good person. So thank you guys for watching. Thanks, Jake and Mike. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you guys soon. Simplify.